Hello, friends. You're listening to Exit Point, a podcast about the advancement of base jumping and an exploration of its culture. I'm Laurent Fratt, producer and co-host. If you would like to support this independent production, you can visit our Buy Me a Coffee link in the description and give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. In this episode, I speak with Fred Fugin, a pioneer of modern parachuting and one of the most talented and innovative skydivers, wingsuit pilots, and base jumpers on the planet. Fred has won multiple world championships in free flying, set several world records in base jumping and wingsuit flying, and has executed some of the most incredible aerial stunts ever performed. Today, I wanna talk to Fred about how it all started, what motivates him to push the boundaries of human flight, and how he copes with the risks and losses that come with his passion. With that, let's get Fred on the track. You've been involved in so many incredible projects that are really creative. I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about this process of uh, discovering the ideas that come with the projects. I mean, anywhere from, I think the one that really captured my imagination and excitement the most uh, was uh, you jumping off of the Jungfrau and landing inside of the airplane. I mean, this was just like so spectacular. And uh, I mean, I remember like almost like raising my hand, cheering, you know, like it was like, oh my God, you know, because you you guys were tried once and then tried twice and there was a failure. And so like, there was really this sense of buildup of like you guys trying to get there and then bam, you did it. And it was like everybody, the pilot, uh, the people in the plane, everyone was just like <laughs> cheering and it was so exciting. And um, so, but that's just one of many. Uh, so I'm wondering, and, and it's not just for base jumping and wingsuiting, you know, you, you, free flying and, and canopy flying and all of these different projects that you've been a part of. I like to just have a glimpse of inside your process for discovering the idea of what you can do and then the training that goes behind it and then the execution. So let's just start with like the ideas, like how do these ideas come to you? Um, the ideas come um, mainly, I mean, well, come from uh, the evolution of, uh, you know, of our jumping and our career. But I think there is one a very important point is that we were, when I say we, because we did most of all, all of this with Vince, um, we were always trying different disciplines and we spent some time, for example, uh, speed riding, paragliding. This has been a lot of inspiration also to us. And basically being able to go outside of uh, skydiving has always been something very important to us. Me, I started paragliding just before skydiving, actually. My dad was one of the very first paragliders in a paragliding pilot in France. And so um, I've always had this, um, this connection with this discipline. And then uh, uh, when I could, I took uh, Vince with me paragliding. And then um, we started speed riding. And for example, just this world of paragliding and speed riding was for us was nice to take a break with the drop zone to go somewhere else to meet some people and it's actually this 
this mix of disciplines and, and, and meeting new people and, and trying to, um, you know, meeting people, talking with them and uh, trying to feel what they think and sometimes giving you ideas or stuff like this, just uh, discussions with people that are not uh, just skydivers uh, was a big inspiration to us. And it was always very nice to, to mix the discipline. Of course, we've also been inspired by um by uh, the soul flyers you know at the beginning Loïc Jean Albert Valmontant that was that was the, the 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 DNA of the team was to mix the disciplines and and do new things like this and i think it's really important and this is um Uh, amazing. I think more and more skydivers and base jumpers are open to this, but I think it's really super important to to go and try other disciplines, aerial sports, or even piloting. Like for example, Vince and I, we did our PPL uh, just to be able to well, to know a bit more about what's happening uh, in the sky and other disciplines. And um, and this has been for sure a great inspiration and. Also, when we were competing in skydiving, we we were doing free flying, which is an artistic event, and the the, the main focus of uh, of um, free flying is to build uh, a routine, a free routine, and every year you want to search for new moves, you want to search for new way to to show your moves and all of this, and I think it's been really in our blood from the very beginning in free flying to to always keep searching for new things and we could never do one year uh, the same the same things as the year before you know we always had to do different 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 and new and new and new and so when we stopped competing for us it was like normal just very normal to do something new and do something that nobody ever did before you know or sometimes you you have an inspiration literally the project that you talk about uh, door in the sky was uh, inspired by patrick de gallardon who jumped from the plane and went back into the plane and with vince we always said together ah, we want to we would like to do this again but together but like the two of us and then we started to speak about this project when we when we met um, uh, philippe bouvier the pilot that was flying in emporia and then Uh, after thinking about this, I think we had the idea how oh, we should jump from the mountain, but this was super scary and and crazy. And and Vince had this dream. One day he woke up in Dubai, and it was really how it happened. You know, we were uh, roommates in uh, in the apartment, and then he woke up and he's like, "Man, I had the dream that we were jumping off the mountain, and we flew back into the plane. We have to do this, you know. Like I, I, you know, I, I had this dream. It was real." And um, wow. and yeah, and it was li like I was in my underwear, you know, in the in on the sofa, you know, and he had the hair like this on his head, and and um, I was like, oh man, you know, I was like, fuck, this is like. I, I, Did you have I, some apprehension? You were yeah, yeah, I was so scared. You know, when he told me this, I was like, because he's like, yeah, man, I had the dream. Like we have to go for this. You know, like we cannot just jump off the plane and go back into it. Like we have to do it different and new, and this is gonna be the next level and stuff. And we already talked about this idea, but a little bit. And me, I was like, oh no, man, just to imagine to have to fly back into the plane with a base gear, without Cypress. Uh, With you know, like uh, not the same protection and not the same, and and okay, jumping off the mountain is one thing, but like for me, the the scary part was like to well, to to hit the plane or to to if something happens and you have no uh, no automatic device, you know, so that would be 
scary but then we start to, sp to speak about it and stuff and um and yeah it became uh we started to imagine all kind of scenario and we work uh and yeah i mean between that day when he woke up with the dream uh, i think it was maybe in february or march and then we we happened to to finalize the project in october you know so it took some time but we worked a lot for this that's a that's a really good uh, segue into because um, we talked offline about how much training and preparation goes into these um, projects, and I think it's really interesting because I don't think everybody really understands quite realizes the diligence and the preparation that goes into it. Um, for example, you know the projects that I've been involved in, we always have broken every single part down into, you know, very singular aspects, you know, um, Ellen's uh, Dunkin' Donuts stunt, for example, is like, can she fly with a bag on her arm? You know, can she hit the target? Can um, we capture it in a way that we want to? Breaking down every single thing so that all of the different elements can be broken down into its finest form. Yeah. Uh, what kind of approach did you guys or do you have now for training for projects like this? But it's it's exact it's exactly what to say what, what you are saying. It's to to really uh, break the parts into I mean break the thing into different parts. And I think one of the the um, one of the great learning that we have was competitions because. Um, I told you before when we were creating the the, the free routine uh, every year for our uh, free flying competitions, we had to think about moves. We had to learn some uh, some way to train them and to to break the, the the routine into many different parts, and that at the end you will put together to make the whole to make the whole program. And um, I think that all these years of competition were really a big, big, big thing for us to, because we learn how to how to train. Basically, we learn how to create a training, and we learn how to train of something that is new. So it means that nobody can really tell you how to do it because it's new. Nobody did it before, you know. So that's really like okay. The, so then the whole process of thinking how to train this and how to break it up and how to separate it and how much time to repeat it and when you are happy to combine it and put it back together and stuff was, yeah, it was part. It was part of our uh, everyday um, work in uh, skydiving for so many years, you know. So it, that's why it was so nice when we started to when we stopped competing and we went into project it was so nice to to use this experience to be able to uh, to transfer it into the project because at the end for us every project that we did was for, was like was like a competition okay the only difference is that instead of being judged by some FAA judge we would judge ourselves and nobody is better than ourselves to judge what we can do, you know, and, and, how, and how good we can do it and how we want to present it and uh, how we want to show it and all of this, you know. So that was, um, that was the thing. So it was very interesting to, to, to create the training and especially for a project like a door in the sky. Okay, I'm talking about this one because we speak about it now, and it, it's a good example. But it was the same for many other projects to to separate it. It was it was so nice to to imagine um, 
but how can we train for this uh, in order to not get hurt, in order to be ready on the D-Day? And uh, even though we did uh, all, all this training, uh, the first time we jump, uh, the first time and the second time we jumped from the mountain, we even uh, hit the plane and we didn't go back into it. But we had this planned already. This was part of the plan. I mean, was the plan B to, to maybe uh, not be able to enter from the first time and, and how, to, how, to, how to deal with it. So, um, yeah, it was just, um, it was so nice. You know, the, the, the training... In um, in uh, in Emporia Brava in Spain, when we prepared for this project, was really uh, was really um, yeah it was was so good. It was really a uh, it's really a part of the project that I really love is the the preparation and how to get ready for something, and um, and this whole journey that takes you to the final goal is is really as good as the goal itself, you know. Enjoying the path as much as the arrival. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. That's um that's really good to hear. You know, um in your um in just social just socially interacting with you, you're always super relaxed and friendly and easygoing. Um, is there a Fred that sort of a professional Fred where there's a switch and it's like, hey, it's time to go to work? I, I Maybe, no, there is a, I don't know. Like, I mean, when it's time to go to work, for me, it's okay. Uh, work, uh, we are training on flying. Yes, we need to be serious and we need to, you know, um, um, yeah, just to, to concentrate. But I, I think uh, it's, uh, uh, I, I really want to keep this, uh, <laughs> like you said, this uh, relaxed uh, side that uh, that puts people in a, in a good mood and, uh, and that makes that you will, um, that you will, um, uh, that you will perform good. Um, I don't think you need to be uh, stressed and uh, and uh, you know uh, angry or something to to make things work. You know we need to be concentrated. But I think the the, the people that we are I'm, I'm working with, generally, my teammates now, or Vince before uh, the production company that was around, uh, we always try to be in the best um, the best condition to. To work, so no, I don't think there is a big, uh, big switch. Maybe sometimes, okay, when you get uh, at some point, you need to be concentrated. But I think it's more a side of me that uh, could be uh, uh, in a stress, um, waiting for um, you know, waiting for weather when you're preparing a project and you're waiting for this or waiting for some permits or waiting for something like this. But, um, I think it's more my wife that has to deal with this than, <laughs> than the people, uh, the people that I'm jumping with or, or, or working with. I've noticed, uh, some of the top level, almost all of the top level professionals in, uh, action sports are always, really cool and it seems like almost in a way that you're taking the responsibility like you're saying to make everyone feel relaxed right because the director the camera guys um the producers they can be super like on edge sometimes depending on the production company you're working yeah. with and when they look to you as the professional as the person who's going to be conducting the stunt as someone who's just zen relaxed chill has everything under control. I think it sets like it, it infects the whole party of like, okay, this is the sort of tone that we're going to move forward with it. 
And uh, I, I witnessed that with you guys once. It was a small job that you were doing, but um, I think Seb invited us to come up in the heli. We went to the tournet. You guys ah, yes. were shooting a commercial. Yes, yeah, yes, it was yes, windy. Yes. It was super windy. We went up there and um, yeah, we were all standing there and you guys were like, you know, just hanging out, having fun. And um, it was a, it was a real, uh, it was a pleasure to uh, experience you guys in, in your element and, uh, and get an idea for that because, you know, I, what's that noise? Yeah, sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> it's done. So I was, um, yeah, I was, uh, I felt, um, I felt young and impressionable, you know, even if we were still the same age, it was like, uh, I had lots of aspirations for doing more jobs and I was watching the way that you guys were working and it, it left a big impression on me of like, all right, cool. Like, let's just, let's handle this like cool individuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that we were hiding behind some, <laughs> behind some rocks because it was windy. Yeah. I don't remember what job was it for. Like, what, what was this, uh, this film, this filming? I for? think it was for a kitchen that was like uh, on the side. Nah, I, I actually don't, I don't remember. I you don't. guys did a couple of jumps. You did one that was off the cliff, and then you uh, jumped out of the heli, uh, flew down the mountain on the other side of the valley. Yes, 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 um, yes. But I, and then. I don't really remember that part. I remember we had a nice lunch afterwards. Ah, no, I remember it was for like a series, like a TV show, uh, like a, st like, yeah, it was okay. like a little, a little part of a TV show. That, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, like a French uh, thing, but yeah. But yeah, I think it's really important. And, you know, like part of like um, the, the, the project and, you know, I mean, the, the, uh, how, how the success of, The, the projects we got really lucky to to meet uh, Dino Dino Raffo that was the guy the, the the filmmaker that's been working with us for a long time and now we work with Thibaut Gachet that is uh, the guy that's been working with him for uh, for so many years and that um, and that is uh, taking over now because Dino is uh, uh, is <laughs> traveling on his boat and. Um, And these guys, and, and the, then the crew that they manage to gather when we do the the, the projects, usually it's uh, it's so nice to be with them because we have the same way of thinking. They know us a lot. They know when we are stressed and not stressed. They know when to speak with us when it's not the good moment. When is the good moment? We know how to, to interact, and we know. And this just to be surrounded by the good people, and it's not necessarily a big team like. Uh, Uh, to a, for a project like Door in the Sky, I think it was six of us, you know, six of us to pull out this, you know, okay, there was some helicopter pilot, some stuff, but I mean, the core team was not many people. And just because people, they are uh, specialized in their work and you trust them and, uh, and, and people are efficient and that's it, you know, it's, it's enough to, to make it work. And it, that takes, that relieves a big, big part of the, um, of the stress and that puts everybody in the same mood. And, uh, and I think it's not only the people you're flying with, but it's also the, the people around. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just important to, to make sure that, uh, that we don't create more stress than there is already because everybody is in stress. You know, you want to, me, I want to fly good. I want to perform. I'm doing something that is risky. Uh, people on the ground, they want to get the shot. Uh, no. So it's like, um, Yeah, it's um, but it's it's we're we're getting better and better at this. I think after the years, and it's something that you learn through the projects and through the time. You know, it's not something that. Uh, but one more time, I think competition has been a great help for us because 
when you are learned to, when you when you learn to to perform good on a D day for a competition for a world championship after training for two years, whew, there is some pressure and it's um, yeah it's it's a very very big learning experience. Do you have any um, tricks or techniques that you use? Um, well, you know, some people in our sport like like vis visualization or meditation. Or do you have anything that uh, you rely on for uh, to help you perform outside of actual training itself? Yes, of course. The visualizing is something that one more time that we learned with competition years. Uh, visualizing the the move, visualizing the 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 success as well visualizing what you want to do and not visualizing the the failure or something um, and after I I rely a lot on I don't have a really really early, I mean uh, I don't have like a, like a proper routine but it's more like um, I'm relying on the on the training that we did so I know when we did the good when we uh, when you've done enough training, when you know you're prepared, when you know that you have everything, that you, you, you feel good with your training, basically. You feel confident with the amount of training that you've done, um, then you, are, you feel ready. But it doesn't mean that you're not stressed uh, before doing the gym because you're maybe, something, you're maybe doing something new. You're maybe doing something that, okay, now you're going to combine all the parts of the training, like we said before. And... Um, And at that moment, I try to, um, I always try to, uh, how do you say, to trust myself in a way that if you get scared, it's because you're like, oh, but if I fuck, if I fuck this up, if I don't fly good, if I, and I always try to convince myself and to say, no, no, you got this, we did the good training and you know how to fly. And once you're going to be in the air, it's going to be, easier than now because because that's my life you know that's what i do and i'm good at this you know and it's like trying to really convince convince myself that it's good it's going to be easier and everything is going to go good because i have enough training i know how i'm I got this basically, but it's like, uh, I think it's difficult to, I mean, it's, it's quite easy to stress out before the jump. And that's where I really try to convince myself. And it's like, like being at the door of the plane before doing a jump for the world championship, you know, and you're like, <laughs> like breathing a lot. And you're like, no, no, just think about the five first seconds of the jump and the rest will go you know, like as a flow, because you know your shit, you've been training for so many hundred jumps, you know, for this, and it's going to happen, you know, and um, yeah, I think it's my way to do it. That's really um, a special part of the jump, obviously, right? Whether you're coming out of the airplane or off of a cliff or anything is like uh, the, the anticipation of the exit. And yeah. uh, it all seems to just poof, disappear. And yeah. I think that that's like, for me, I think some of the most intense moments of those sort of feelings have been uh, alpine jumps with uh, really difficult approaches, you know, like where you're spending hours on the ice or in the snow or, or on the rock and, uh, you know, you're not sure if the conditions are going to be right or you're going to get there in time. So you don't have a bunch of thermals. And so there's this like, you know, and there's a constant um, assessment of danger, right? So it's like this uh, mental fatigue that takes place as well. 
And then when you finally push off, it's like all of that just disappears. And uh, so that's interesting that you take that into your projects as well. It's similar. It's, it feels like. Um, can we talk a little bit about the Soul Flyers? Because, um, I mean, I'm just thinking about what you're talking about, how you're not particularly, anal- sorry, let me, I want to ask something first. That's really interesting about um, the the different, you're, you're thinking, trying to think positively about the outcome of your, of your, you're trying to think positively about what the outcome of your stunt or your, your, your stunt is going to be. Um, it, and I noticed that there's some people that, that think that try to keep their thoughts really positive. And then there's other people that really acknowledge how powerful negative thoughts can be as well. Right. Because we can't assess all the, ne- ne- um, all the dangers without realizing what negative things can happen. Right. Like you were saying uh, for the door in the sky, you were like, oh man, like hitting the side of the plane, right? Like my pins could pop or something. I don't have an AAD. Like, so what I'm trying to get out here is that, can you tell me about the pot, like the, when to think positively and maybe when to focus on some of the negative things that, that can happen? Basically all the negative things, all the danger, all the risk, you deal with it during the training. That's really the goal. It's like the training is to uh, is the part where you take care of the risk management. Basically, it's all like okay. Uh, if like for example, you said he hit the plane and the pin the the pin would pop. Uh, we for this part we remove the pins and we and we and we had some uh, uh, how do you call it? Uh, the, the some uh, cables you know like some cutaway right. cables right, right. instead of the pin. So the so the cutaway cable would stick out. Uh, like uh, 15 centimeters uh, outside the loop, you know? So if we would hit the plane, uh, because we had base rig, if we would hit the plane on our back, uh, the pin cannot move just two centimeters. You know, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a cable. Uh, it's going to be two of them. Uh, we had a reinforcement. Wait, on let the me, po- sorry, let me ask a clarifying question. So on the bridle itself was connected to On uh, the bridle itself, cables. instead of put two pins, yeah. there, was, there was two cables of, of uh, about 15 wow. centimeters long. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the, yeah, the totally. same as the cutaway cable that was installed on the bridle. Right. So when you pull the, the two cables, they I mean it's the same, but the thing is that if you hit on your back and stuff, it can move even from five centimeters, it's not going to open. Okay. But this is all things that we thought about during the training. And we were training in Emporia Brava. So we saw uh, Colin, Thompson, Colin Thompson, that is the, the master rigger in Emporia Brava. We told him about our, our fears, you know, and uh, ah, okay, this is the risk, this is what could happen. And then he has a, um, you know, a b- very big experience in rigging as well. And he's like, okay, okay, but let's, let's remove the pin. Let's put the cable instead. Oh yeah, okay, good idea. But just like, and it's the same thing as I told you before, to be surrounded by good people and to, to, to work with people you train trust and Colin in this specific case was um, was a big help to us I mean for many other things he helped us but uh, specifically on this it was very nice to to work on the equipment on this project and like you said all the 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 parts uh, okay we imagine to uh, to hit the plane like for example we said okay uh, we are, we're gonna uh, we're gonna enter on the left side of the on the right side of the plane. So if we lay if we hit the plane, it's gonna be with the left arm because if we can't pull the parachute, but like no, okay, we're well, just gonna present the left arm and not the right arm, you know, or things like this that you try to because we were think we were really spending so many months thinking of 
all the stuff that can go wrong. So when you feel good about all these points and you know that you've done enough training, enough preparation, and uh, you you try to you you thought about all the scenarios. I mean, you cannot you can never think about a hundred percent. Maybe you try to think about ninety nine percent. You know, there is always okay a little the unknown, a little yeah. place. You know, a little thing that maybe. But you try at least you try and you try not on your own. Uh, with people around you, you speak about ideas, you exchange and you have discussions and open discussions about fears, about danger, about what scares you, about everything. And then and then that's how ideas come, you know, to try to remove the risk as much as you can, obviously. And then, and that's why on the D-Day, when you are doing your thing, you don't want to think about all the dangers and all the risks because this was a part, this has been done before. This has already been done. Now you're on the D-Day on top of the cliff or on, at the door of the plane or whatever, and you are thinking of success. You are thinking of what you have to do to make it work. And if something goes wrong, you already have a plan. But this is part of the briefing that you put in your head. You already have the plan. Okay, if this goes if this goes bad, I'm gonna do this. If this goes bad, I'm gonna do this. If this goes bad, you you need to have some plan B. It's not it's not if this goes bad, then I'm I'm dead. You know, it's like so. It's um, uh, well, just you, the 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 plan B and the the reactions that you need to have compared to this risk or this risk is already in your head. It's already planned. It's already briefed. It's already repeated a lot in the mind that. Uh, you only have to think about the good stuff and the good movement to 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 make it work at that moment. Can we go back now? Um, you touched on it briefly before, um, but the, basically your inspiration and legacy with the Soul Flyers. Like, um, tell us first, what is the Soul Flyers and uh, how did they come about? Well, the, um, the Soul Flyers team, the original team, was created by uh, Loïc Jean-Albert, Valérie Montand, Stéphane Zunino, and Claude Remide. They are uh, these four um, skydivers. Uh, I mean, three of them were skydivers in the national uh, skydiving team. Also base jumpers, pioneers of... Uh, Claude Remide is one of the pioneers of base jumping in France. Uh, Claude... Uh, no, Loïc and Zoon, pioneers of wingsuiting. Uh, I don't know if every, I mean, <laughs> probably not many people. I don't know if everybody knows about Loïc Jean-Albert in 2023, but uh, people should know um, that uh, he, yeah, he was pioneering wingsuiting the, at the end of the, the 90s. And Valérie Montand is a friend of them, paraglider. He was in the, the national uh, paragliding team. And one of the pioneers of um, speed riding as well. He's a, he was a ski instructor. He was one of the first ones to think about skiing with a small canopy on his head. Uh, and so this group of people, uh, they met and they, they were really inspired by each other. They were really trying to, to, to exchange uh, discipline. Claude Romy, he teach uh, base jumping to Loïc. Uh, Loïc uh, built his own wingsuit with Zoon at the beginning and he teached them to, to fly wingsuit and uh, uh, they, they were also enjoying base jumping all together and it was the, the, the mentality of the team was to really mix the discipline uh, mix different type of uh, flying and to create some beautiful 
um, beautiful videos, beautiful actions, like to do something that was uh, new and different and um, in a beautiful environment. And I, what I really enjoy when I saw their first um, uh, first jump and first videos that they did together was that that was in, it was outside of um, of the, the competition world. And that's something that when they started the Soulflyers team, it was the year that I was doing my first world championship in 2003. And actually, Loïc-Jean Albert was our cameraman in the free fly team. So I got to do my first world meet with him. And at the same time, the first DVD, uh, Soulflyers DVD was released. And uh, it was projected on the drop zone in Gap in Tallard, where the world meet was happening. And it was so weird because uh, Loïc used to be a member of the national team for a long time. And and uh, the, the federation was a bit, uh, was always a bit stressed with base jumping. You know, it was really something outside of the federation. But we were on the drop zone during the world meet, all the competitors there. And on the big screen, sometimes you would see the base jumping of the Soulflyers and Loic flying by with the wingsuit in Verbier, very close to the ground. The very first uh, uh, proximity flight, uh, as uh, as uh, we think, you know. And um, uh, yeah, it was. It was a huge inspiration because I was like, wow, for me, that was next level. It was like, you don't need to be doing a competition. You don't need to. It, it was really another way to, 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 to do a performance. And it's something always that I had in mind. And when we stopped competing with Vince in 2009, we, were, we had the head full of projects, of ideas and stuff. And we're like, okay, we didn't know how we could make it happen first because of uh, money because we didn't have the, the money to pay for projects so one of our goal was to be sponsored by red bull because well, okay a red bull is probably a good a good solution to 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 make this dream happen and um and yeah we were talking one day and uh and we thought about uh loic and the soul flyers and we are like but we should like, why not call Loïc? Because the Soulflyer was stopped at the time. Like, actually, in 2006, uh, Valérie Montand passed away. In 2007, uh, Loïc Jean-Albert broke his back on a speed flying accident in, um, in New Zealand. And uh, that's when the team stopped. So they had the team for like five years. They made amazing things. They had uh, a sponsor. Salomon was sponsoring them at the time. And they had... Uh, uh, they had budget to travel the world and do beautiful performance around the world and uh, and always do new things and always like present nice videos and the, the, the spirit, it was always joy, it was always laughing, it was always and always like also very like extreme performance, you know, about flying and really the mix of discipline was nice. And yeah, with Vince, we thought like, why not call Loic and, and, and be called Soul Flyers? Like, uh, maybe we can ask him if we can be, if we can take over the team because the team is on standby now. And then we call Loic, that is a friend for a very long time. And, and we're like, okay, look, uh, we don't compete anymore with this. Uh, we have this project. And he's like, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, you guys are, you know, for sure, like, like 100%. You know, he was super stoked. And uh, it was like, man, just for sure. Like, you guys are good good for this and we i know your spirit i know how you do and stuff and uh, okay go and so we had nothing we i mean it didn't give us more budget but just we had we had the name you know and for us it's always been a huge um 
yeah, a great honor, you know, to, to be called Soul Flyers. Like now people know, I, yesterday I was talking with someone, he said, oh, you founded Soul Flyers. I was like, no, no, uh, we just took the name at some point. But the guy who created that team, that was actually 20 years ago, inspired me, inspired Vince a lot. And it was always, yeah, just a great honor to, to be called like this because as soon as you are called Soul Flyer, you represent what Loïc did back in the days with wing shooting. You represent Valérie Montand who passed away, unfortunately, and Antoine Montand was also, that's been part of the, of the crew and, and who also passed away. And you rep represent what the guy did to, to push the sports It's either in base jumping, skydiving, speed riding, all these disciplines that we did, that we always did, and uh, and yeah, for me, one of the best, um, um, one of the, the the most rewarding thing is to to keep showing what I do or what we do to Loic, to Zoon, because they are our mentors, you know, they are our big brothers, and when and when these guys are. Uh, Uh, yeah, enjoy what we do and stuff. For me, it's the best reward because, like, I, you know, they were inspiring us 20 years ago, and um, and and I always want to, well, to make sure that, uh, well, to to feel them, uh, you know, happy about what we do because it's more it's more than a, just a name. It's really the uh, the spirit and through all these years, what what it's been gathering from the the friends we lost, uh, from the the the, the stunt that we did, the project, the travels, all these memories, all this love, all this good energy, everything is uh, what we are today and what we still try to to represent. You know. Yeah, that's great. Uh, you're like carrying the torch for this legacy of inspiration. And yes, uh, of course. definitely those guys inspired a lot of us. Uh, you know, I don't know about people who are just uh, getting involved now, but for sure, John Luic was a huge inspiration. I mean, the first time I saw him flying in Verbier, it was like, it just kind of blew my mind. Like, I didn't even realize like, like that was something that was possible, you know, and, and it was like, it just seemed like something that was happening on in another world. And then, and then again, uh, I think it was like, in 16 sunny days when they were in Norway, uh, his flying in that video was like, okay, this is something that I have to do. <laughs> so, I mean, I when think- When they were uh, flying in, uh, by the road? Yes. In, um... Yeah. And, you know, he was doing barrel rolls and back flying. And yeah. I mean, he was just so much more advanced in every way in his flying. Uh, it was just, I mean, spectacular. And uh, yeah, so he was a huge inspiration for me, even, you know, on the West Coast of California, of the United States and California, it was like, blew my mind. So uh, I can't even imagine like having a personal connection with him and, and, and the honor that must be for you guys to continue to carry that torch and, and, and have them be excited for you and everything. Yeah, That's yeah. really cool. Um, I, you were talked about the beginnings of speed riding and and uh, and then you brought up Antoine's name and I, you know I remember seeing um, images of him flying down the north face of uh, the Agui and you know like his trailing edge was completely deflated and his skis were attached to the snow the entire time I mean just amazing uh, it was basically like a parachute that he was uh, speed yeah, riding it was with. a parachute <laughs> and. Um, 
trimmed a little bit differently maybe or was it literally yes, at, but it was yeah. uh, it was a parachute it yeah. was not it was before the speed riding wings at the time that we all had skydiving canopies to do speed riding and at this specific moment that you're talking about there was the first uh, manufacturer who are building speed riding canopies and he didn't like them and he was sticking to the old parachutes because they were not flying enough and they were really like uh, helping him to stay on the snow basically Right. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about the beginnings of speed riding too? Because you were right there uh, witnessing all of it. Um, take us back a little bit. Uh, so you told us a little bit about the gear that was being used, but then like who other, who else was involved with this? And, and, and tell us a little bit about the process that went into that. But from my story is that um, I, uh, um, yeah, I was already doing paragliding. Uh, I met with a guy called Frank Coupa that uh, is a bit known because he opened a, a speed riding school in Valfréjus that's called Ataka Speed Riding. I don't know if you heard about it. It's been a long time that, uh, that it's the first speed riding school in the world. And Frankie was my speed uh, was my paragliding instructor, so we became friends. And Actually, in my head, I had this story. I knew a guy, a skydiver, that um, in, I don't know, like in 99 or 98 or something, he took off from a mountain with a hundred square feet skydiving canopy. And me, I was doing paragliding at the time, and I knew this canopy, like 100 square feet, was very small. And he's like, no, man, you know, I've just been running off the mountain with the... And it was and it was great, you know, I did the flight. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I, I, you know, I, I just... I, I had like three years of skydiving or something, and the guy told me this. Um, and I keep this in my head. And then in 2000, February of 2001, I went uh, in vacation to see Frankie in Valfréjus. But at the time, we were just uh, we were skiing. Uh, we were paragliding a bit in the mountains. Uh, also, he was uh, dropping me off his paraglider with a base rig, you know, from the tandem that we were jumping in Valfréjus. And I still I always had this idea in the, in the mind of, from that guy. And I had my scalabbing rig with me, so I had the Springo Springo 110 from Parachute de France, and I told him, uh, and I I didn't know anybody who was who did this before with uh, with the skis, so um, I was like, hey Frankie, and I knew that if the guy could run off a mountain with a hundred square feet canopy, I could take off with skis. You know, you don't even need to run; you just need to to slide down. So I so I put the rig on my back, I put the slider behind the head. Like he was as bad as this. Like I really like, we opened the skydiving, uh, skydiving rig. I put the slider behind the head. Um, we, uh, we removed the, the bag and the pilot chute and, uh, and that's it. And I, and I did the first takeoff in Valfréjus with, uh, uh, with the Springo 110 and Benj uh, Benjamin Refet, uh, Vince's brother, was here with me that day, and he was the second to take off. And then uh, Arno Fletcher, also who is a pioneer of uh, free flying in France, uh, was there, and we did a few flights. And for for one year or two, it was just a few of us taking off, landing with a uh, with a small skydiving canopy, which was nice because we were we were thinking about swooping, you know. But for us at that time, it was just a takeoff and a landing. A takeoff and a landing and swooping, swooping the 
de, de, mon, de montagne, yeah, flying clothes and stuff. And, um, and then we met with uh, other paragliding pilots and one big evolution of speed riding was in 2003 when these guys uh, started to use our canopies from skydiving, but they attached it to a paragliding harness. And that was a big step because like being able to move the hips and being able to, uh, to, well, was, was a lot of, was a big change into the, the type of flying the canopy. So the paragliding harness was, was something, but still we were still flying and stuff. And that's only when Antoine Montan arrived and he, as a very good skier that he was, uh, he used our canopies, he, he used a paragliding harness because he was a paragliding pilot, but he decided to stay on the, to, to ski and to use the canopy just when you could not do anything else. You know, like if you have to jump off a huge cliff or you want to do a barrel roll or something like this, but it was really uh, uh, another way to see speed riding. And, and from that point, it was a big change in the, in the whole activity because then it was like, okay, we are actually skiing with a canopy above the head and we use it only when when you cannot do, uh, when you are, when, when is the only solution, and um, and this uh, has been pushing a lot the people with their level on skiing because you can only do this if you're a good skier. If you don't know how to ski, you will just fly and stuff. So this has been the what well, the beginning um, beginning between 2001 and 2007 where, when we did the first uh, speed riding competitions uh, organized by Dino actually in Les Arcs. And uh, and yeah, it's it's it was it was amazing to to see. I mean, it's still amazing now to see the evolution of the discipline. And and it was so nice to mix the the, the flying techniques and the gear with the paragliding guys because it was really the mix of uh, skiing techniques, of uh, paragliding harness, scaling canopies. Uh, we uh, our vision of swooping, their vision of flying canopies and stuff. And we were spending time and weeks and weeks together in the mountains in the winter time, uh, and just like um, um, yeah, just uh, having fun and and doing this. And that's why well, uh, it's. Um, what a beautiful sport. Yeah, I mean, no, man, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> and you see, that's really, uh, it's by doing these sessions in the winter that Vince, when we were going back to skydiving after in March, you know, or something, because we used to spend uh, one or two months in the ski resort uh, every winter. And when we would go back to skydiving, that's when he had this uh, frustration of going back to skydiving rig with a fast canopy. We could not fly with the, the harness with the hips. And that's how uh, he got the idea to build the, the mutant harness. You heard about this harness that was built by, uh, yeah. uh, built by UPT. The reason why it's called mutant, it's because it's... Uh, um, it's um, uh, it's a mutation between paragliding no, harness and... A... Yes, <laughs> it is. But it's also, uh, uh, comment on dit, un hommage. It's um, a homage. Ouais, to, um, or to, it's a, yeah. to, uh, to Antoine Montand. Okay. Because Antoine was helping him to to work on the first uh, the, uh, the first harness, a tribute. That's what uh, the word I was looking for. Okay. It's a tribute to Antoine Montand that was helping him, and Montand uh, became mutant. And um, it's really because we were swooping uh, our skydiving canopies all winter in Valfrejus with a paragliding harness, and then going back to skydiving and being hanged by the shoulders was like, no, nah, but man. 
we can't do this anymore, you know, it's like, so <laughs> it took some years for Vince to work on the prototype and then going to the US, uh, being helped by UPT to, to create the first um, prototype and the first, uh, the, the, the first harness, mutant harness that was pr produced. Uh, and now I, I can see in swooping competitions, uh, people are using it and stuff like this. But this idea of having a skydiving harness, I mean, uh, having such a harness in skydiving is literally came because we were spending all winter doing speed riding. And so you see, that's the one more story that, that, um, that shows that mixing the discipline and being with other people and going outside of the drop zone and, and just uh, being aware of other flying techniques uh, can push the, the, the sport forward. I feel like it's been a new reemergent of the mutant as well. Like I'm seeing more videos and pictures and of people using it uh, just lately. It seems like it could just be my subjective experience uh, yes. online. But, no, uh, but at the beginning it was a bit uh, just like everything that's different. You know, it took a bit of time. Um, also, uh, at the beginning, people were using uh, people thought that it was going to be used only in swooping like for swooper, like competition swoopers. But um, Vince and I have been jumping the mutant since 2016. Uh, it's been my free fly rig since 2016. So it's been many years that I did hundreds of jumps uh, with uh, with this harness for free fly. And, and for us, it was like, we, we didn't want to choose between swooping and free flying. You know, it was like, no, no, we just have to pull maybe a little bit higher just to, to remove the, 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 the handle, you know, to go into, uh, into the, the sitting position of the harness. But um, that's the way we used it. And it took a bit of time in competition. People didn't know really much how to use it. And since a couple of years, uh, uh, there was better, better results in competitions with the harness. And now people start to use it more. And also a few guys start to use it in free flying, even though it's a harness for swooping, you know what I mean? So, uh, but uh, like, it's the same thing that I say to the people every time that they ask me about the mutant, because it's still kind of new. Like I was on the drop zone the other day and people are like, wow, it's the mutant, never see it before. No. It's like, wow. And then like, when I think about I'm jumping this since 2016, I'm like, yeah, okay. But when, once you know, once you get used to it, you can never go back to the normal, to the, to the normal harness, you know, like being hanged by the hips, being able to fly the canopy, to lean backwards, to use your body weight, to, uh, to, to play with the, the angle of attack of the canopy is so much nicer that after that, uh, using a Valkyrie canopy or fast canopy, being high by the shoulder is, is so frustrating. So I could, <laughs> I could never change. And um, it's something that I will, yeah, that for sure I keep using for free fly all the time. I feel like speed riding is still being discovered as well. Uh, I think part of that is that, uh, you know, I have a big connection with the U.S. where I'm from, and uh, there's a lot of ski resorts where it's just not allowed, yeah. uh, which is unfortunate. Um, but I feel like there's this new, this rebirth of speed riding for a lot of Americans uh, coming to the Alps, and uh, it's really exciting to see, um, I mean... It's uh, it's such a it's such a beautiful sport and it opens so much of the mountain, especially here in Chamonix. Like, you know, you have a powder day and like maybe three hours after a beautiful snowfall, 
everything's tracked out. But then you can go to like the top of Grand Monte and fly to a moraine right below the Drew and you have like this untracked powder that's just, you know, nobody else can get to. And then there's a cliff at the end. You just launch and fly away. I mean, it's just spectacular. Yeah, and yeah. So, uh, wow. I mean, I, I want to thank you because like you guys you know open this route to uh, something that's been oh, it's uh, been a it's been a group you know it's been a group but um yeah for sure some impulse of a uh, few people coming from different disciplines made it happen and there is people like uh, uh of course it was also like being able to meet um I mean, to have uh, people like Mike Swanson, uh, like uh, Miles Dasher, people that we brought to Valfrejus, or like uh, uh, JT Holmes, you know, that we that we that came to see us in Valfrejus because we meet, we met with JT in the mountains of Norway, base jumping, and we spoke about speed riding, and he was a good skier, and he went, and and basically France, and especially Valfrejus was the the was the lab, you know, was where everything happened, you know, and. Um, and uh, where people could train a lot doing laps all day long. And, um, and uh, yeah, we are very lucky that we had this and, and our friends from the US came and then they could spread the thing. And it's very unfortunate that people cannot do it more in the, in the US. But um, yeah, we are lucky to have, uh, uh, to have this play playground here and people like now uh, Valentin Deluc that is, uh, that is pushing the sport also very hard, that has his own style and also has been very inspired by Antoine Montand because he met Antoine when he was a kid and stuff. And it's like, it's, very, uh, it's a very nice, uh, very nice story as well. And, um, and to see him and, uh, and Hugo and, and some other guys pushing the sport like uh, like they are doing now it's uh, it's super impressive and it's, impressive. Uh, it's and it's so beautiful you know to see the, the evolution of the wings and the skiing techniques and the, and the place where they where they are going to and stuff and it's uh, wow it's yeah it's amazing uh, you know i don't know him super well um, but every time i see him and uh, we've uh, ridden from the same spots he's just what a beautiful human you know like he's uh, humble and yeah. uh, very generous with his information and his knowledge about the sport and uh yeah it's just always been a pleasure to run into him and, and i was and with him yesterday <laughs> and actually this morning this this morning he was supposed to uh to uh to go to go to agree du midi and to and to write so yeah let's talk about something that's a little bit more difficult. And uh, I think Antoine sort of falls into that category. Uh, you know, we're really interested in the way of communicating with each other because base in particular, uh, it can be really difficult to be self-aware uh, when you're pushing the boundaries of the sport and, and going outside of what is, uh, you know, within your own limits. And a lot of times I know I, for myself and as I lean on my friends and my mentors to, you know, give me a little bit of a kick in the butt about like, Hey, no, wait, you know, calm it, calm down here. You know, you may be pushing too hard. And, and, uh, earlier on these conversations with friends and acquaintances and people about like, Hey, you know, like maybe you're not going down the right path here can be really challenging. When you saw Antoine engaging in bass, did you have these difficult conversations with him? Mm, not enough. Uh, I think. I mean, we had we had actually the, uh, had this conversation because Antoine um, 
bon, was a very good friend. We spent a lot of time together. We saw him beginning of a, uh, we saw him starting base jumping. He didn't have so much free fall experience. He didn't have so many jumps. He didn't have so many skydive. He went for base jumping. Uh, quite uh, quite hard, you know, from the beginning. But like his brother, you know, and his brother passed away a few years back, and it was uh, uh, for him. He wanted to he wanted to follow his tracks. But okay, um, um, one of the things that uh, that uh, is, is very heavy for me is to is to think that I should have or we as. Vince, I, our friends around should have been harder with him because there was, for me, a lot of trust into Antoine because he was very talented. He was very, he had a sense of the air, you know, he had a sense of uh, uh, flying his body uh, or flying in general, flying his wings, um, skiing and stuff that was, uh, that was very high. And um And uh, I, yeah, it's just, um, it's just, uh, it will always be hard for me to think about this because I should have been harder. And af after, after his accident, I think that uh, it's been changing also the way I spoke with people and the way I react to some people that I see doing stuff that uh, I don't agree with. And so it's either friend of mine that I love very much and that I will I will be hard with them because I will tell them what I think. Not putting too much trust into them because Antoine will always be the example. You know, like you you know, he was very good. Yeah. But that day, you know, when he Um, when he had his accident the night before I was on the phone with him and I was telling him ah man tomorrow we're going to Gorge de la Bourne we're going to Vercors to do some jump some low cliff jump with some friends you should come ah oh, no I need to go to Corsica I will be uh, I will go there to do this uh, wingsuit jump but he didn't have many wingsuit jumps and me I didn't know the place where he was going so I didn't know what to expect I didn't know the jump was Um, difficult or not and I was like okay are you sure yeah it's okay it's okay it's okay but just because I trusted him you know but uh, yeah I, I will always remember this last conversation and I, I was like man but don't go with the wingsuit just come with us we, you know, we do a bit of slick jump it's going to be nice and he just needed to do this he just needed to practice more you know and to jump more and and um, and yeah that was his last jump so it's uh It's been, um, yeah, it's been very difficult. This um, this accident and uh, and yeah, it's been changing a bit the way I see uh, the way I interact with the with the people as well. Do you have some specifics about uh, the way that you're interacting? Like you said, you were hard, but what does that mean? Just being direct? Yes, just being direct, exactly, and uh, and just basically not being scared of saying what I think. And I think this is a very great, um, uh, comment dit, uh, une, um, uh, merde, uh, comment dit, in uh, French? Uh, <laughs> ouais, non, mais même in, même in French, I don't remember. Um, 
lesson this, uh, the lesson no this is something very important uh to be able to say what what you think and i think that uh vince refait was for is for me the best example because sometimes it was very hard it was very maybe too much <laughs> too too much straight you know but saying to the people uh or to me or to anybody you know uh, uh, this uh, 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 sometimes it was like the the the, the form was a bit uh, you know the the way to see to say it was a uh, was a bit uh, was a bit uh, needed some refinement maybe yes but but it was the truth and uh, and and at the end of the day he felt good with himself because at least he said he said what he had in mind and i think this is something that kept us out of uh, a lot of trouble together because vince and i we grew up together we saw it we we met each other when we were kids and we, there there was no ego you know uh, compared to to us and i think that when you are doing base jumping and you are staying on top of the on top of the cliff with some friends uh, ego is something that can uh, uh, that can put you in trouble and and one of the one of the best things that can happen is to jump with people and to, to jump with people where with where you share the same way of saying the jumps and thinking about the 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 jumping and the risk and everything and not being able uh, not being scared to say oh you should not do this or do that or i'm scared of this or i'm scared of that and uh, you know like to 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 be able to express to to well, to say what you have in the, on your heart you know not keeping things for yourself because sometimes you keep things for you uh, maybe because you trust too much somebody or you're scared of his reaction or you're scared of whatever and that can actually lead to trouble lead to an accident lead to uh, the death of a friend because we are playing this dangerous game you know we are doing a dangerous sport and i think sometimes even something like oh yeah okay i will tell him later or i will tell him next week or uh yeah, no, so this and that should not uh, should not happen and that's why I'm, i'm very happy uh and thankful to be jumping now a lot with uh, Vincent Cotte and Aurélien Chattard. Uh, we, we share a lot of jumps together. Also with uh, Nick Scalabrino is also a very good friend that we've been jumping a lot. And um, uh, these guys, we, we share the same way of uh, seeing the, the, of doing your sport, you know, and we also lost some friends. Uh, we all lost some friends in different different type of accident different configuration and i think we get to also an age and then an, an experience where you like ego does it not going to help you and and you just being honest with yourself and with your friends and if everybody plays that game and everybody is honest with himself and with his friends then the group is um, is a uh, homo homogene homo yeah homogenic or united well, or... the group is united and you think the same and and that will um, and that will yeah that will just uh, save you that will just make you safer in your in your uh, in your sport in general there's a lot of common respect amongst you guys too which is uh, probably helpful like uh, you know uh, you you all have your um, specialties in a way Um, and, uh, I can see that, uh, you can come with advice and suggestions and, and, uh, 
observations that are just going to be respected by the other person, which is yeah, exactly. Really and you know, we all, we all we all have some uh, we all have some experience, and uh, and we trust each other. And and the most important is to be able to to uh, but to just to have an open discussion about anything, basically. Like uh, it should not be any uh, any argument. It's not about uh, ah, being angry or sometimes you know because then you know that ego is like uh, pushing you in a way that uh, now I want to be right or uh, it's gonna be my way or whatever. You know, it's just like if we are doing something together as a team, um, we need to feel good. We need to all feel good in the moment, in the in the jump, in the whatever heli jump or or base jump that we're gonna do. And um, and yeah, it's just uh, very important to be able to share anything and to talk about this. And uh, and if you respect your friends, if you respect your yourself, and you do this uh, with the, the the will of of having fun, because at the end of the day, it's all about having fun. It's not being it's not about uh, being right or being wrong or doing this uh, this way or this way. It's all about having fun. And me, I'm having fun when I when I enjoy the moment with my friends. So I want everybody to be in the good mood and I really enjoy it um, even better. It's not just doing the jump, like the jump is going to be cool, but but if everybody enjoyed it as much as I did, then it's going to be pff, so much better, you know? So it's, and, and, and all this goes through uh, the preparation and before the jump and the hike and the climb and whatever and all this information that you share at that moment and all the preparation and the and the mood that everybody is in and uh, and 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 that um, and that's something that uh, also was yeah we lost uh, uh, we lost uh, uh, Matt Munting last year and uh, uh, Matt was also um, very very good friend and. And I I miss having him also on the exit point because it was very nice to yeah that was exactly his state of mind you know there was no just being able to share some uh, some information and have uh, some unspent discussion and we had the same way to to see to see base jumping and um, uh, when uh, the, the 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 word that I was thinking before is a quality une qualité you know uh, the quality yes. Um, this, if there is something that I need to really, I mean, there is many things, but one of the very important things that I need to keep from Vince that is with me all the time is his ability was his ability to, to tell the people what he has on the, on the heart, basically. And sometimes I didn't need to do it because he was doing it and we were working as a team, you know, and then because like we would talk about somebody, for example, but he would be the one saying, hey man, you should, because he didn't care. You know, and me, I was like, okay, I but I didn't have to do this job because he was doing it, you know, basically. And then some other stuff I was doing and he was not doing, you know, and then we were like sharing, uh, sh sharing, other. yes, like all the time. But now that he's not here anymore, it's uh, my responsibility to, to, Ouais, to, 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 to respect this and to, to keep this in mind and to tell to the people, I mean, just, I'm not, I'm not going to tell to the people, ah, you have to do this or that, but at least if it's my friends, uh, my wife or people I love or no, no, I have to tell them uh, what I think is, uh, is good or bad. And then after they do whatever they want with it, you know, but at least, at least they know. 
and I'm not gonna, if I'm not sure about something, I will say it and we should have a conversation about it. And uh, that's the way it is. I know you're putting that into action too, because I had a conversation with uh, Marine a couple of weeks ago and uh, she said, I asked her about, about the similar question and she said that she had really respected a way that you had approached her because it was, um, I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, um, tell me what happened. <laughs> what, no, no, tell me. What okay, did, so you guys were, um, I think it was at the Don de Kroll, and yeah. uh, she was very apprehensive about a jump that she was going to do, and she felt insecure and and, and uh, maybe felt like she had a little something to prove. And uh, so she kept all of her doubts uh, about the organization of the jumps to herself and didn't feel too good about it. And when she landed, um, you had uh, some words for her and... Uh, Okay, so you, she not so much. Maybe I'm I mis, I, lost in miscommunication. There, it's, n- it's not uh, really what happened, but um, uh, I, I will not go. <laughs> yeah, so, so some details of the of the story don't need to be to be said. But no, uh, the 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 thing is that she was, yeah, she was a bit scared, you know, on top of the cliff, and we had a jump planned uh, for uh, a TV. There was a guy from the TV, so we had planned a jump. It was five or six of us jumping together from Don Crawl and nanana. And I could feel that she was, uh, she was scared. And nanana. and at the end, uh, one of the some guys put up some plan. Okay, nanana, you jump and nanana. And at the end, the plan was that she would go alone last. And you know, I met Marine when she was seventeen. I know her for a long time. Uh, 20 years ago, actually. And I could feel that she was not not doing good, you know? And so I decided, I said to the rest of the team, okay, guys, whatever, Ah, jump without me and I will go with Marine. Because... I don't care about, I mean, okay, uh, yes, there is a TV show, there is something, there is some that, but uh, she's my friend, she's there. She didn't feel good about the jump because she didn't jump for a long time. It was her first jump. I don't know with that suit from that cliff or whatever. I don't remember exactly, but she didn't feel good. So I just, I just tell to the boys, no, uh, I will go, I will go with her. And I did, I, I didn't care about leaving the plan um and letting my friends do the jump for the the tv or whatever flight they wanted to do formation and i would go with her but at the end the the plan changed and and she um and uh, she jumped and uh, leblon uh, her husband uh, went with her but um but yeah it was just something like this that uh we can always do one more jump and stuff like this and uh, if you feel you know, like, uh, well, there is some pressure because you want to do a filming or something or that. Or just sometimes not even a filming, just because a group of friends tell you, oh, well, okay, well, and then maybe you get this plan from the day before or from one week before, from a month before. Oh, we're going to do this jump. And, uh, and then you're on the, at the D-Day on top of the cliff. You, everybody's in the mindset that, ah, oh, we have to do this jump. And then somebody's not feeling good or you're not feeling good or any, and then... And then what's the most important at that moment? Is it to 
follow the plan that uh, everybody had in mind for uh, one week or one month or to, to, to say that you don't feel good or to tell to your friend, man, you don't feel good and you should not go or whatever. We'll do this later. And maybe it's going to take another months to get together again on top of the cliff or maybe bad weather is coming the next day and you cannot go or maybe whatever but you when you know that this can lead to an accident and when you've been through uh when you've been through some hard moments because you lost some close friends uh, you need to take a step back and to realize what's the most important and i don't really care about this jump you know i want to I want to feel good about everything and what I, I want to feel good. I want to respect myself and respect the friends. That's a beautiful uh, lesson. And um, it kind of reminds me, uh, I was going through an old hard drive of some of my uh, earlier jumps and um, the importance of the friends and, and, and what that brings to the jumping. And uh, I found myself fast forwarding through the jumps themselves exactly to watch the GoPro footage of after we landed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh because that was really the special most special part is like the high fives and the excitement and the you know, I can't diminish the fact of what we're doing because it's just so beautiful and and inspiring and and what we live for, but that moment sharing that with friends is uh it's priceless. But you know what you said before you said it's a beautiful lesson. Uh, yes, it's a nice words, but we, we've all been into this into this situation. You know, I also did this mistake. Yeah. You know, and we you get tunneled we, into we, a project or yes, an idea. Exactly. Or you know, the excitement or, uh, of not the be able to say to your friend what you really think, or you know, and 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 this is because I've been base jumping for more than twenty years, and uh, like, like I said before, I went through some some very hard moments and. And it's lessons of uh, of life. So it's easy to say now. I mean, it's easy to say. It's always easy to say. It's more difficult to apply in the real life. But um, it's uh, easier for me to apply it now because because I'm uh, yeah I'm older and I've been through some stuff. But um, uh, it's uh, yeah it's just an, an advice you know to give to to the people who are listening to us or the younger people and stuff is it's about respect respect yourself respect your friends and um and the jump is not the most important basically i have some more um uh, going back to vince um you know we we you talked about uh, your partnership as competitors and transitioning into uh, a more variety, uh, varied projects with you know all sorts of different formats, and uh, you guys shared a lot together. I mean, I don't think that we can talk about your life and flying without talking about Vince, um, the Jetman project was uh, a man. I mean, the videos that you guys were doing is flying with jets and uh, the videos specifically in China too, where you guys were were, were flying around the terrain. And I mean, it was just so spectacular. Uh, It just, you know, people would send me those videos like all the time and like, hey, have you seen this? Have you seen this? And, you know, I would just be like, man, I know those guys. You know, (laughs) I was like, I'm proud to know these guys. It was just so, and just not only for people who were involved in free flight, but the gen- the masses were inspired by you know the fact that you were able to fly because i mean everybody thinks about that you know it's it sounds almost cliche in a way but like 
the Jetman project was this inspiration that um, could, you know, traverse all sorts of cultures and and ages, and and, and everyone was attracted to this. Um, can you yeah, tell us a little bit it's about the superhero? It's a, you're the, <laughs> it's the superhero, superhero yeah. image that everybody has from from movies or whatever. Tell us about um, the beginning of um, Jetman and and how it evolved. Well. Like like you said, uh, it's so inspiring because um, uh, Yves Rossi, Yves Rossi, the, the the Swiss guy who invented the the Jetman project, is um, is a very special man, and he had this dream about um, about about flying. And the the I, I really like this story about him when he started the the this project that not many people know, but he, Yves Rossi was a was a fighter pilot for the Swiss Army, and he got uh, uh, like a, a click, an inspiration, an or... inspiration when he started skydiving. Actually, and he had many. I think he flew like a thousand hours of uh, Mirage uh, uh, fighter plane in the Swiss mountains. So you can imagine all the terrain flying. He did like he was free to swoop any mountain with his jet, you know, like with his friends for like, uh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years or whatever. And, um, but when he started skydiving for the first time, he could feel the air on his body and, and the pressure of the air on his body. And even though he could go really fast and fly around with his plane, uh, he was flying a plane. And that's what he always said. He, like he was giving inputs to a machine that was taking him somewhere but skydiving uh what we can do in free fall is you are the machine is you you're not you're, you know it's your brain that gives input to your body to take you somewhere you know and and, um, and that's really when he he started skydiving and then he wanted to stay longer in the sky and stuff he did sky surfing and then uh started to attach some wings on his back and and one day or another, we finish with uh, four jet engines and we fly at 400 kilometers an hour uh, for 10, 10 or 15 minutes, you know. So it's like uh, completely crazy. But the guy has his, um, uh, his, uh, his the, 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 the power and the, the, the energy and the time that he dedicated into this project is uh, is insane. Like he, he spends so many months, so many years in his garage building his wing at the beginning and stuff. I mean, before we um, before we met with him, before Vince started the wing, uh, flying the wing with him, and uh, just what he what he was able to achieve alone um, is really impressive. And I have a huge, huge respect for this guy because it really came from a, a dream that he had in his mind. And even if everybody would call him crazy because he would be a bit like the mad scientist, you know, uh, on the drop zone with a weird wing attached that was heavy and some fucking kerosene on his back and like, and like jet yeah. engines and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like the first time I saw his wing, I was like, what you know like i was not really uh attracted to it at the beginning right. because i i really enjoyed me uh, hiking the hiking in the mountains with a small with a wingsuit on my back you know with a backpack and uh hiking with my like very simple very simple way of uh, being able to fly and that was the opposite that was very complicated you know you need a helicopter you need an engineer to start the wing you need uh, you need this you need that but the result is 
he managed to realize his dream and he managed to uh to do what he wanted to do and uh and have huge respect for uh, for the the work he he put into this project i met vince the first time uh when i was in puria brava i was there with uh, matt gertis and uh, we had some of the first versions of the kalugo and uh um i was like uh, flying skydiving with matt and there vince was um doing some of his first skydives without the engines just the wing yes and man i was just like you know, wow. And he was super, Vince was super excited yeah. and, uh, it was really cool to be there and, and chat with him and, and get an idea of what, you know, his early beginnings of, of training with that wing. And, um, so later on, uh, you know, he started with, uh, Eve and then you came onto the project as well. Right. Like, yeah. And, uh, so, so tell me just like your first couple of experiences with the wing and, and what that felt like. Um, but first, um, it's uh, Eve. Eve wanted to share his experience with somebody because at some point he was flying his wing, but uh, people would call him crazy, and they, he was like, "No, but he was sure that it was not so hard to fly, and and he didn't have so many skydives." So he was like, "Man, with my experience of skydiving, I can do this, I can do that, I can fly with a plane and stuff," and and um, I. He, I, he said, I feel I'm not so good, but I don't know. Like, uh, I would like somebody to try, you know, and um, and people told him on the job zone, ah, you should see this kid, you know, and I was not there at that time. Vince met with him and uh, he saw the wing, he tried. And uh, from the very beginning, Vince was like blown away by the potential of the wing, you know, and couldn't just was telling me like, man, you need to try this. It's crazy. I flew with the porter. Like, you know, I didn't have the, the engines just flying with the porter. So, and then uh, he was so motivated that he, uh, I mean, he started the training. And at the point, at that time, uh, uh, there was no sponsor. Eve was, was paying for Vince training at the beginning wow. and he didn't have budget to pay for uh, more people uh, it was already complicated and, and it was already taking some time to to teach him uh, the goal was to bring Vince flying with engines and uh, and me I was following this because uh, step by step Vince was always telling me no man it's crazy uh, you need to try this you need to try that and as I told you before uh, myself I was not super uh, uh, attracted by this from the beginning. So, uh, wow, that's heavy, that's complicated, that's going to be like, wow, that looks super dangerous. But um, but because Vince was so excited, I was like, okay, no, but he said, no, but bro, trust me, it's going to be insane. Like, uh, you know, so I was like, okay. And I, I could just see him doing a, a step by step, you know, going through flying with engines and flying formation with Eve. And then uh, at some point in 2014, he got me um, in uh, in Emporia Bravo. I got to try the wing without engines. And the first wing that Eve was letting us use without the engines was the wing that is, uh, that is inflated. Uh, I don't know if you remember this wing. It was a white wing. And basically, one third of the wing in the middle of the body was hard, was heavy. And two thirds of the wings on the side was inflated by... Uh, by uh, air uh, canisters of some uh, sort. canisters of air, you know, compressed yeah. uh, air, and so you would uh, because it was two meter fifty, so it was two uh, it was two meter fifty uh, span that it was too big to go out uh, from the the porter, 
And so jumping off the plane with the wing flapping, you would push a button that would inflate the wing, but sometimes one side would inflate, not the other. Oh, so you would go into a spin like yeah. a couple of times. It happened to me that, ah, but Vince, had the same. And it was like, and for Eve, it was like a way also to test your you, resolve yeah. yeah like uh, how you would react and how yeah. and, and now and, and we never cut away this wing because we always fight enough to, to na, na, na. and at some point it would inflate you know and we would fly with it uh that was uh, that was the beginning and and then right after that um the project was bought by uh, dubai uh eve because Eve wanted the project to evolve. Uh, we wanted to fly together, information, and uh, he wanted more. And he, he didn't have any sponsor. There was no more, uh, um, no more uh, Brightling, Brightling sponsoring yeah. and stuff. So uh, Prince of Dubai bought everything. The name and stuff like full sponsoring for Eve, for us, for the team and blah, blah, blah. We all arrived in Dubai and I got lucky that I started my training in Dubai with not having to jump from the porter, but we had a helicopter uh, training all winter while Eve and Vince were uh, flying formation, doing this first Jetman video above Dubai that we did um, at the end of uh, 2014, beginning of 2015. Uh, and uh, at the summer of 2015, I got to jump with the engines for the first time in Emporia Brava again but i was i was really well pre prepared and it was so nice to have vince to explain me everything and because you know when he started free flying i i, I took him under my wing i explained him you know i i when we met he was very young and uh, he he really made a point of being able to give this back to me and it was the right moment to do it that uh, he had this experience of flying this wing with uh, Eve and he could explain me this and it, this made me improve very fast because when Eve teach Vince to fly the wing, they didn't have the same language, you know, they didn't have the same experience, they didn't come from the same background so it was, it was um, a little longer to for Vince to, to, to improve but me, when I started flying the wing, Vince, well, like, we speak the same language. We flew so much together. So he's like, okay, imagine, it's like like when we do the track, or it's like in head down when you do this and that, or it's like in wing shoot and we do this and that. Ah, okay, okay, okay. And then, and then I, I could pick it up very quick, you know, because he was helping me a lot. So when I did the first flight with the, the engines, uh, July 2015, um, it was uh, it was insane. It was amazing. It was a huge memory, but I felt really, really prepared and uh, not uh, not scared because I did a lot of training before with the wing without engines. And imagine that uh, just a bit more than a year later, we are flying in Norway, jumping off the cliff with the engines. And then a couple of months later, we are flying with the Patrouille de France, flying with the jets. And it was like I started jumping the engine, flying the engines in uh, July of 2015. And in October 2016, we are flying with the Patrouille de France. Because the experience that we had together in uh, skydiving, free flying, uh, wingsuiting, everything, the experience that we could share brought me to this level and we all helped each other and uh yeah it was the really uh it was probably the best year of um of uh i mean yeah it was a very good year of jetman 
I've seen the, the team was big and we and we we did beautiful project. And then you were both um, trying to push the boundaries of what was possible with the wing, and um, this is where the accident happened, right? Um, I, I don't I don't know the details actually. Um, can you can you tell me what happened? But the goal, you know, one of the one of the dream, one of the goal was to uh, was to take off and land without like being autonomous, basically Truly having an, being those superheroes. Have, yeah, well. exactly. Like the um, um, uh, how is called the <laughs> like a vertical takeoff. Yeah. Yes. The no, no. I was looking of the the name of the the superhero. Uh, um, Superman. Yeah. Really, just like. Runs and puts his arm up in the air and flies away. Maybe you're thinking of somebody else. Yeah, yeah, the red guy. Man, I don't remember the name. The, but anyways, being autonomous uh, on a flight with that wing was a dream. Uh, Vince started to, to 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 master the vertical flying, and one of the reasons why we went to Norway in 2016 and jump off the cliff with the wing was. To, uh, to train for the taking off from the ground. So we could not take off vertically from the ground at that moment, but um, we didn't have enough power, but at least we could take off from a cliff. And then we flew back up and we landed on top of the cliff as well. So it was one way of going towards the autonomous flight. And um, yeah, February of 2020, Vince did the takeoff. From the from the Skylife Dubai runway, uh, that you probably saw the video, vertical takeoff, flying up, opening the parachute and landing, and the next step was to was to to land without having to use the parachute, uh, and that's during the the final training of this project that uh, the accident happened. Uh, we don't really need to get into, um, you know, the impact on you uh, emotionally. I mean, it's clearly been uh, something extremely difficult. Uh, you know, I went to um, the celebration of life for Vince, and um, it was a really special moment. And uh, what I want to ask you about is, this is something that's been such a big part of your life, and flying, and and high risk sports, and. Um, did it at any moment did you feel like doubt or did you feel doubt about the path that you were taking or or that maybe it's time to do something else or you know the, the, um doubts no it depends but uh, there is a thing that is very important to precise is that uh, for example, some people said, "Ah, oh, his friend passed away in flying and he keeps on flying. Yes, but th there is flying and flying. Uh, we need to realize that what, what Vince was doing, he was the only one to do it in the world. Me, I was way behind with the training uh, of vertical flying. And already in 2020, when there was the COVID year and we were stuck in France because, uh, bon, because we were at home and um, before going back to Dubai, uh, and started training again. Uh, I, me, I started to be tired of going to Dubai. It was, uh, it was getting difficult for me for other reasons. And, and I didn't feel comfortable myself about, um, about playing close to the ground with the jet wing, basically, because I didn't have this 
amount of training and I didn't have the same experience that he had. And, um, and I didn't, I was not, uh, how do you say, uh, it, I was not pursuing this dream as much as he did. Uh, the, the reality is me, I had some doubt about myself doing this. That's why I was, I was, I keep on training with the cable because we had two towers and a cable to train on, on a um, flying vertical flying close to the ground in Dubai. But I was for sure not ready to do what he was doing. And, and he was alone ahead doing this like a, like a pioneer. And, Nobody could, <laughs> nobody could, uh, I mean, you met Vince before and you know, I, I mean, I don't know if you, you know him enough that uh, when he had something in mind, you know, it was like, a, um, like, a, strong, focused, uh, yeah, like unstoppable, <laughs> unstoppable, exactly. And, and he was really uh, counting on the, uh, the help of the people around and you know he was listening to the team he was listening to 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 all of us that was uh, surrounding him but at that point he was alone doing this type of flying and um and um yes he, he was he was pushing the limit of this discipline that uh, that for me it's very different than going base jumping, going weak shield flying and stuff. So there is a difference between this. And, and even in Jetman flying, it's different of uh, flying Jetman uh, with a, in a vertical way close to the ground and doing some horizontal flying uh, at an altitude that is above uh, 5,000 feet, you know, where you still have time to cut away the wing, open the reserve and stuff like this. So it's a bit the difference between the, the base jumping, you know, like uh, uh, part of Jetman and the, and the skydiving part of Jetman, you know, in a way. And, um, and uh, yeah, me, I, I didn't have any doubt in the fact that I wanted to keep on jumping and flying. Um, for sure, like, like you said, did you have any doubt about was it the good way? What is the good thing to do and stuff like this? For me, I, um, I was not ready for this. You know, maybe I would have been ready at some point, but for sure it was not my moment. But he was ready and he was mastering his flights and he was doing amazing things you know where every flight that we were looking at him doing he, he was like he was pushing more and more and he was always doing very good you know and he was being as safe as he could and really listening to the others and he was not he was not uh, you know he was really in a in a good spirit but when you are that far pioneering something where nobody can you know uh, can when you're alone, you know, in a, in a path and you are like, like the, 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 like true pioneers of aviation. And the difference on that project is that we were not uh, together sharing uh, things all the time. We were sharing things, but, but he was, he was, he was alone, you know, doing this. And me, I, I was, I was actually slowing down a bit uh, voluntarily because I was, I didn't feel really comfortable in this, uh, in this type of flying. One more time, because I didn't have enough training, but we could not train both together at the same time. And before going back to Dubai, I remember a conversation that we had, and he he told me, and I told him my feelings about this. You know, I was like, man, I don't feel, I don't know, like I'm too scared about flying this wing close to the ground, and I don't feel good with this. You know, like I don't want to put myself into thinking about 
a project where I have to land with a wing because I'm not ready. You know, like I'm just not ready. It's, I'm, I am. And he's like, yeah, okay, I, tr I, I understand you, no problem, but I want to do it. I'm ready, you know, and I knew that he was, and I, I was, uh, he was in a good path, you know, for this. And, I, and he was like, okay, look, if you want, let me do the testing. Let me do the stuff. I want to do it. I am enjoying myself doing this. I love it. You know, I, uh, it works. You know, it's going to work. We're gonna, I'm going to make it for all of us. It's going to be good. Uh, uh, uh. And, uh, and when you feel good about it, when you have enough training, then you join me and then we will do it together. You know, but uh, you don't have to push yourself, but, but let me do it, you know. And I was like, uh, okay, if you feel good. And we were there, you know, to, to support him, to... So that's that's really how it was a bit the the, the Jetman team at the end of uh, uh, I mean before his accident and um, yeah something you know <laughs> when you're playing with a with a margin uh, of error that is uh, that is very small and you're doing something new every day you try something new every day you're um, yeah there was a there was a a little mistake and an accident. It's um, yeah, that, that that's all I can say. But after the accident, after after his accident, uh, uh, of course, my life will never be the same. It was different. It 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 will always be different. But I want to keep on flying. For him, you know as much as I want as much as I uh, until I enjoy flying I want to keep on flying for me for him for what we did and every time we lost some friends he was always saying oh we keep on flying for them you know and they, they, they would have preferred that we keep on flying we don't want to know so I have to honor this as well and I have to uh, I want to keep going because I enjoy myself you know I'm not pushing myself to fly because my friend passed away but um but uh, for sure, every time I do a, a jump or a flight or a project or whatever, I think about him and uh, and um, and it's a way to honor uh, what he did and uh, and the training that we put together to reach this level and uh, yeah, the name of Soul Flyers and, uh, and and everything that this represents to to us, you know. I, uh, I've been living in the area um, for, you know, over, well, it's almost 12 years now. And um, you were always um, in Dubai or traveling on, on trips and we never got to share a jump together. And um, it was, uh, it's interesting now to see you, um, I think I've started with COVID now being in France and almost rediscovering, um, your home playground and how it's evolved and what the new suits, what's open, what's possible. You know, I was sort of following along with our WhatsApp group and Julian Mio was showing you all the new stuff in Annecy and, uh, and, um, it's sort of opened, you know, with this tragedy, it's sort of opened up a new chapter in your life. It seems like of, of rediscovering the Alps and, and Haute Savoie and, and, and what's part of that too, is that your wife, uh, you guys are sharing a lot of jumps with your wife and, um, it's really, uh, it's really a pleasure to see. And it's also really amazing to see the sort of progression that she's had as well. Like, uh, I mean, she's already like a very accomplished skydiver, but like in each video, you guys are training together and, and it just seems like it's, she's getting better and better and better. I want to talk to you a little bit because it seems like in the 
space community, it's sort of like this like faux pas to teach your significant other how to base jump. And if anyone seems capable and in a good position to do that, it's you. Um, and tell me a little bit about the dynamics of, of flying with someone that you love, because, you know, it's, it, it, it can be so amazing to share these beautiful moments with them, but it can also be a little bit nerve wracking and, and stressful. And you want to make sure to, to offload as much information as you can so that they're prepared and, and safe as you can make it. And, um, I am, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience, but, you know, Ellen was a better pilot skydiver and all that stuff when we met. So I never had to mentor her in, in, in any way. Tell me, what has that experience been like for you? Um, yeah, flying with Laurence, uh, with my wife, is yeah, is beautiful. We, like you said, we share some uh, some beautiful moments. The the reality is that when when we met, um, she already wanted to base jump before. She already did some base jumping before we met. So she was already attracted by base jumping when she was in the national skydiving team. And actually, she bought her first uh, base jumping rig to uh, Jean-Philippe Tefo. Okay. And so she met him. Uh, she met Jean-Philippe a long time ago. He sold her a rig. And she, could, she couldn't keep on jumping because she was in the, um, in the national team. So she had to stop. But she did a few base jump before we met. And so after we met... Uh, she went back into jump into jumping a little bit, very discreet at the beginning because the team, uh, the federation should not know and stuff. And then when she stopped competing, then that was like, okay, now I can do what I want. And um, and um, it's I, I I've always felt really uh, comfortable taking her base jumping because she has eight thousand skydives. She did competition in accuracy. I mean, most of the competition she did was in a four-way uh, formation skydiving, but she did competition in accuracy. Uh, she started paragliding as well with me. She does a bit of speed riding. So she has, she's, I think she's very, comp she was also a, um, a wind tunnel uh, instructor. She did a lot of flying in, uh, in Sion, in real fly. So she has a very um, complete uh, experience. Um, of um, skydiving, jumping, free fall, canopy flying, uh, even in the mountains as well. Uh, she does uh, rock climbing, you know, all kinds of uh, skiing in the winter and stuff like this. And so I felt that she was uh, really well prepared. She had a very, very good background to, to be able to handle a difficult situation in base jumping because it's going to happen. You know, it's going to happen at some point. Like you do everything you can to make it safe, you know, the conditions and now the spot, the suit, the whatever. But at some point you end up in a, in a difficult situation and it's going to be your training and your reflexes that's going to, that's going to help you at that point, you know? So I felt really good. I, I feel really good about this um, because she has the good background, but like you said, uh, it's uh, nerve-wracking. It's uh, sometimes uh, a bit special because I, uh, when we met, she, she had very few base jumps, maybe five, six, ten. Uh, now she has more. She keep, I train her a lot with the wing shoot. Now we've been spending a lot of time this winter in the wind tunnel in Stockholm because her the goal, I mean, she started base jumping more in sleek, then mutation, uh, then ETMD last year, 
bigger tracking suit. Now the, the natural normal step is to go to a wingsuit, you know, and I was like, okay, you want to wingsuit base, but first you need to, I always make sure that she does it for her first, that she don't want to do it because she's with me, you know, so that's something very important that, okay, um, don't push, your, don't force yourself to 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 go to this path because uh, because uh, you want to do it for me or because you want people to say oh Fred and Laurence they do this together you know the the image what it represents and stuff is good but it's not what we do it for you know it's not why we do it for she has to do it for her if she really wants to so then if she, uh, she that's always. Uh, that's been always her, her decision. And now if she wants to go wing huge from the cliff, I want her to be very, very well prepared because I know, I, I know that is risky. I lost some friends, you know, I've been around and, and, and so I, that's why I'm, um, I, I took a lot of time to, to take her to train with ETMD to train with uh, with mutation before I didn't want to push her too much with the wingsuit. I wanted her to uh, uh, to train in the wind tunnel quite a lot, and now she start to feel ready. She start to be ready. <laughs> the cats are going crazy. Yeah, the cat is going crazy. <laughs> You've has and there's been I, quite I, a lot. I, Go ahead, I, sorry. I, I just, yeah, I just so. It's funny because even some friends, they said, oh, but uh, why well, now you're still not allowed to jump with the suit or whatever, you know, like I'm I'm slowing her down, you know, or whatever. But yes, I'm slowing her down in a way, but I want her to be super ready. And I know about the, 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 the level of most of the, most of the people base jumping now with wingsuit. When they start wingsuit wingsuit base, uh, it's not a very good level. You know, people sometimes. I'm not. I'm not saying everybody, but some people have. Uh, I, I mean, I saw. I saw. I'm not even. It's stuff that I saw. I saw people struggling to do a turn, like a turn, a simple turn on yeah, a wingsuit. Yeah, that's sadly true. And 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 you're jumping off a cliff with a suit, so you basically don't master your suit you don't master your flying but and, and and your plan is to learn this while you are base jumping while you're already in an environment that is super aggressive while you already have to uh, you already have to save your life you already have to pull at the right altitude you have to deal with conditions you have to deal with the base rig you have to deal with all of this so anyways it's not a judgment i'm just saying that um, in, in base jumping, and this is something that I really enjoy, that I really love about base jumping, is the freedom. Everybody is free to do what he wants. Um, but it's there is also a dangerous side of this, is that, I mean, even now we have schools, you know, people like Rock Malnui has a school in Chamonix. There are schools, uh, pe people to teach you base jumping around the world now, which we didn't have tw 20 years ago. But... Um, People are still free to do whatever they want, but uh, I'm not here to judge the people or to give advice to, to, to everybody. But like I was telling you before, the people that I love, my close friends, and even more my wife, I want her to be ready. And when I mean ready, is ready to, to fly very good because I don't want this to... 
uh, I, I want this to be, uh, uh, how do you say, I don't want her to worry about the flying while she's base jumping with the wingsuit. You know what I mean? For me, the flying should be something that you already know how to do. And when you will be base jumping, you will have to deal maybe with uh, your opening, uh, maybe with the, the, the cliffs around you, the landing, the whatever, all of this and this and that. And it's going to be other parameters that you will have to deal with. But the flying is a part that uh, you can train a lot now. I mean, in skydiving, of course, but now even more with the, the indoor wingsuit uh, tunnel in Stockholm, uh, which is amazing. You can do this. And so we did a lot of training this winter in the tunnel. Uh, we are going back. I mean, we did. She already did wingsuiting for a few years, but she never jumped with the wingsuit from the cliff. Uh, we are going back to Emporia Brava at the end of May to do 50 more skydives with the suit. Uh, she's training on the opening and stuff. I want her to be ready because I think, I mean, it's my vision of things, but I want, to, when I enjoy the flying, when I enjoy the jump is when I master my flight. I, I, uh, I'm in control. I want to be in control to have fun. I don't want to, comment on dit subir? I don't want to... Um, Uh, to to uh, you know what I mean? I like but, I, I but want I'm to be in control to have fun, and I want her to control her flight, and I want her to to know how to fly her wingsuit before we go base jumping. And this is really interesting. I mean, this is really valuable. Um, what I'm sort of taking away from this, and what I'm thinking about too, is like when we were talking about speed riding earlier, and people getting involved, and you're like, I you know, people need to know how to ski really well. It's like. You either need to know how to fly your canopy really well and focus on your skiing or know how to ski really well and only need to think about your wing. Um, and like with speed riding is like if you're good enough at skiing, if you're not good at it's flying your parachute or flying your skis, it's like you got to think about both and you're bound to crash. Uh, but if you just you ski and you don't have to even think about your feet. You know, you can think about the terrain, you can think about your environment, the air, yeah. and you have this um, awareness that's open. And the way that you're saying about being able to fly your wingsuit is that if you own, like you want her to be at a level of proficiency that she doesn't even need to think about flying her wingsuit. It just happens intuitively. Exactly. And all you have to think about is positioning your feet, making sure not to slip, pushing in a good angle exactly uh, and 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 she's gonna have to because right now she always did jumps with a with a tracking suit so uh, the arms the arms are always free for the push for the jump and to uh, to to grab the the handles on opening uh, the toggles but um now she's gonna have to deal with having the arm with the suit uh, i mean in the suit for the push but as soon as the suit will inflate As soon as she's going to have enough air, enough pressure, enough speed to, to, to fly the suit, ah, ah, okay, I'm at home. Right. I know what to do. And then uh, doing the flight and then learning if she wants to get closer to a mountain, to follow a ridge or whatever. I'm not talking about hardcore terrain flying that she doesn't have to do or whatever. But you know what I mean? Just being able to, 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 just to get closer to a mountain, just not, not only escaping from the mountain, but getting closer to a wall or closer to a ridge and, 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 and being able to open the parachute in the, in the good position to avoid having line twist, to make sure that you will land at the right place and not break your ankle or not break a knee or whatever is something that uh, she learned in uh, in skydiving and the, all the the tunnel uh, uh, 
the wing should take the, the wing should flying in the tunnel and stuff. So it's um, yeah, I want her to be ready. Can we talk about the tunnel a little bit? Uh, because it sounds like you guys have, and looks like you guys have been having a lot of fun there. And uh, you know, I have uh, I'm going for my third trip, I think, uh, in a couple of um, weeks. Um, can you talk about why you think that? Uh, I mean, it, it may seem obvious to you, but why you think that the tunnel is a powerful tool for preparation uh, in wingsuit base? Well, I, I will tell you my experience is that at the beginning, I, I took a bit of time to go to this wind tunnel because um, because I was away, I was a bit. Uh, uh, traumatized from the, the vertical tunnel. Actually, I was, I was, uh, me and my team at the beginning were one of the first to, uh, to, to use the vertical tunnel, uh, for free flying, for preparing competitions back in 2004. And I did about 10 years of, vert of wind tunnel training for free fly, coaching people, a lot of coaching in the tunnel, uh, a lot of training. And I hurt myself. Uh, I pop my elbow, I, 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 I hurt my shoulder, my back, my ankle, my, <laughs> my neck, a bit of everything. And for me, the wind tunnel was, uh, was a bit uh, scary. And, and about, about the wingshoot tunnel, I have some friends that were telling me for a few years already, ah, go there, no, you should try. I was like, fuck, man, this looks like... I'm gonna get hurt again, you know, and and Danny Danny Roman, yeah. um, <laughs> friend Danny was like, he was like, no, bro, but you need to come, man, you need to come. It's gonna be awesome. But um, uh, the question is not where. The question is not if you're gonna get hurt. You <laughs> no. The question is not when. Uh, uh, if you're gonna crash, is when you're gonna crash. Like you're gonna crash. I was like, no, man, but don't tell me this. Like before I go, <laughs> before I even go there, you know, I was already yeah. scared. But then Branoir uh, motivated me as well. And, and last year in May, we went to this wind tunnel. It was amazing. And it's, it was really the, um, oh, sorry, actually the second day I crashed. Uh, and it was- uh, It hurts. It, it Not hurts only does it hurt, but yeah, yeah. It hurts my neck. But, but I could feel, um, of course, the potential. And the, the potential of this wind tunnel is the same as uh, vertical wind tunnel have uh, I've, I've created a revolution into skydiving in general. Uh, 20 years ago, not people, not many people went. Nowadays, it's impossible to win a skydiving competition, like a free fall competition, if you have not been a lot in the wind tunnel. So it's a real revolution about flying and the same for wingsuit uh, because you can fly a lot in a short amount of time and you can really improve. So it's same as vertical tunnel. You cannot train everything in the tunnel you cannot train the big flare you cannot train the the the, the opening of the parachute you cannot train the, the the big trajectories with the inertia right. that you could have you know like following a group in skydiving or something like this but what you can train in the tunnel you can repeat it so much and you can feel so good and one big motivation uh, for us uh, when we discovered this last year and for us to go back this year was was two th two reasons first because Laurence, she was going to go wing cute base. And I was like, okay, this is going to be the perfect because she has a normal job now. She's working in an office and she's not skydiving every day. So in order to be prepared, uh, this is going to be the best alternative. It's going to be the, the very good, uh, very good place to train over the winter before we start the season. And uh, it's going to be perfect for her to feel really good in the suit. And also for me, because even though I've been flying wing suit for more than 20 years, 
uh, I improved a lot and it's been actually su I enjoyed so much that after so many years of wingsuit flying it was uh, it's, it's a long time that I didn't put myself in a situation where I was learning like a beginner you know and really following the the, the instructors and the guy like Patrick we flew a lot with Patrick in uh, uh, the chief instructor you know in um, sure. yeah I flew with him too in, it was great uh, Yeah, in Stockholm, and um, and and man, if you put yourself into a, a mode where you are, um, you don't you don't want to apply what you know, but you put yourself again in the position of being a beginner, and you follow the steps, and you learn the the, the tunnel flying. You don't learn wingsuit flying. You know, you learn wingsuit flying in the wind tunnel, which is very specific, which is like a like its own discipline. You know, it's like its own, it's its own sport, but. And the time that you spend in the suit and the precision that you have into uh, transitions, back flying, belly flying, movement, stability. Uh, I mean, all this, all the stuff that you can work in the tunnel. I mean, for Laurence, it was crazy to see the, the progression because she started from almost zero, from not much experience in wingsuit. And, and what she's doing now, I mean, we were, we were there uh, on Monday. Two days ago, we were still training in Stockholm. And... Uh, Man, we were like flying together and I, I could barely feel the difference uh, between me and her, you know, like, okay, some stuff I'm a bit less scared to try. And so, but me, I have, I'm, I'm also fighting with my old habits of uh, uh, yes. skydiving and base jumping that I took with me in the wind tunnel. But she, because she's more fresh and she started from a, a lower level, what she picked up, you know, the, the right positions, the right reflexes from the coach, she could apply it. And now it's like, and I, and I, And man, we went skydiving the other day after some training in the tunnel and uh, it was amazing to fly with her. You know, we had so much fun and I can feel her so strong on the belly, on the back. You know, she's looking at me. She doesn't even think about the back flying anymore. She just look at me smiling and then she follows me on her back everywhere. And that's the way I want. That's really what I was looking for. And so we are so, so uh, stoked, uh, so happy about the training that we did this winter because... I mean, it's not going to remove all the risk of base jumping, but it's going to really, it's going to relieve a, a big part of uh, of the stress. Uh, and um, and yeah, I think now she can go and jump from the cliff uh, uh, with a with a nice uh, state of mind, and we're going to be nice and relaxed, and we're going to wait for good conditions, and we're going to have fun, you know. But um, but like we said before, the journey is also the journey to the goal. You know, the goal. At some point, yeah, the goal is going to be to do wingsuit base. But the, the training along the way, the, the, the time that we spent training in the wind tunnel this winter has been so much fun. Man, we had so much fun. Honestly, it was crazy. And I really want to thank uh, Patrick for his coaching. He was really a, a very good coach. We did a lot of time. We did more than 10 hours flying with him uh, this winter. And it was amazing. Um, no, yeah, it's just like a full positive and I can just uh, encourage uh, everybody, especially people who don't have much time because skydiving was uh, takes time, you know, to improve the flying and stuff to get to a certain level. So like I said before, you cannot learn everything in the wind tunnel, but you can learn a big part of it. And uh, it's a good alternative to... To, well, for the for the training because you can fly a lot in a short amount of time. 
Yeah, I, I pinged her on Instagram and was like, wow, the progression is insane. Like uh, just like watching because you're very active on on Instagram and sharing all of the training that you guys been doing in the tunnel. And I just had to reach out to her and be like, this is amazing to watch. Like uh, you've gone from, you know, uh, tracking in a two piece to now being uh, amazing in your wingsuit. Like it's truly impressive. Um. I just wanted to recap a little bit again to touch on some of the things that it doesn't bring, right? Like um, inertia, you said, and and I think a lot of that has to do with like the depth perception, right? Like in a, in a wingsuit base jump, you want to arrive at terrain or maybe even above the pull area with speed and power. And you don't necessarily get that from the wingsuit tunnel, right? You don't have that sense of depth perception. You don't have like, how do I change my angle here to get there with lots of speed? That I mean, that really only comes from skydiving, base jumping, and you know, heli flying and things along those lines. And then of course, like things like paragliding and and, and mountain swooping and and speed riding and things like that help you to develop that sort of depth perception to to know how to get there with speed. But the tunnel also like gives you that sort of, uh, you know, vertical and uh, wingsuit tunnel it gives you that sense of relationship of sensitivity to the air. Would you agree? Where you know you can feel where the air is flowing off of your body, uh, how you can develop speed with the position of your body and the configuration of your wing. Um, I guess this isn't so much of a question of more of just like uh, recapping what you said, but yeah, but in the tunnel, I mean, it's same for free, for for, for uh, free flying. You can think about some small, small details and work on some details and some position or some reflexes that you would never have time. You would never think about sometimes even in skydiving, even less in base jumping. So how can you improve with some very specific stuff? I mean, at some point it will work. It will just take so much time. You know, like so much time. And base jumping takes some time. You, you, maybe you do one jump a day, two jumps a day. Okay, maybe you go to Lotharbrunnen, you do 10 jumps in a day because, but what I mean is that it takes some time. And um, yeah, but all those base jumps, they equal what? You know, like two minutes at the end of the day? Like you do a bunch yes, of base jumping exactly, in Lotharbrunnen. How much time are you spending flying your wing? I really want wing? to consider it like as a, as a, as a complementary uh, discipline, you know, that if you spend some time there, you will, you will really. Uh, uh, get as a base you will you will have like reflexes some uh, some position basic position uh, transition like flying your suit feeling the air on the on the suit in um yeah just very precise movements uh, working on grips working on on things like that and at the end of the day it will make your uh, your capacity in in wingsuit flying your basic skills uh, very strong and then, like you said, uh, terrain flying, you can only learn it when you do terrain flying. The problem is that even in skydiving, I, actually, when we spoke at the beginning, when I talk about inertia, I, I meant compared to other people, you know, like inertia, like flying uh, next to a group or trying to reach someone in the sky, you know, and trying to stop next to it and stuff like with longer distance and, and more energy to stop next to somebody and to be precise in this. Once you are close to somebody, then the wind tunnel will will uh, will uh, will work a lot. But uh, for all the distance, the big flares and stuff like this, you need to train in, in this in skydiving. And then terrain flying comes with 
terrain flying. Uh, you need to learn to see the mountain, like you said. Speed riding is also or speed flying, speed riding, all the stuff like trying to anticipate your glide ratio, for example, is also something that uh, when you do a lot of speed flying and you're flying with a, the eight square meter, uh, it's a glide ratio that is sometimes close to what we can do in wingsuit flying. So it's also the, it's about the same way to approach the, the to visualize you know the terrain and and to anticipate uh, if you need to turn or if you can keep going straight or something like this. Uh, for sure, doing these mountain activities uh, will help. And and then after, I think to get closer into terrain flying, it only comes with the right choice of the spot where you need to go compared to your experience to make sure that you improve step by step and you don't put yourself in a in a too too difficult situation compared to the overall experience but speaking of terrain flying um like one of the best practices like uh, rules that I have for myself uh, when I feel really good about a jump is that I have enough speed on terrain that I can always just flare and pull. Um, I feel like when I can do a really nice line where I'm, you know, following the terrain and in a very, um, um, a beautiful way and, but I can flare and pull, it always feels best for me. Um, do you have some ideas about best practices for terrain flying that you were like things that are important for you? Um, well, it's the same as you said. I mean, this uh, very basic rule of having the spin and being able to flare out of, out of the line is, uh, is for sure very important. Um, and then I think that um, the since we don't have instruments since we have to rely on our uh, like we don't have instruments like on an airplane and since we have to rely on our uh, feeling and the feeling of the air and feeling of the pressure and all of this um, at the end of the day the indications that you will get from the wingsuit uh, from the, the the air pressure from the speed that you can feel uh, with your body with your head with um, whatever when you're flying uh, only comes with the the time spent in the air so it's um uh, i think yeah it's the, the training in skydiving also some very specific stuff like uh, acceleration speed flare up and all this like changing angles and and uh, changing the pressure in the suit is a uh, for sure a su super important exercise and uh, taking the taking the time in um, in uh, in base jumping to go from one spot to another and uh, and yeah to make sure that you always have the well, the good speed in the suit and and yeah just i'm always trying to work on like um um always trying to put a bit more speed and to dive a little bit more and not not i think one of the dangers would be to get used to fly too slow all the time and get used to this and 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 trying to think that uh uh Oh, this is actually the in the, the medium way, you know. Or this is actually the good way, and then you're actually too slow. And then when you need to get out, then you can't, you know. So it's like always trying to fly a bit steeper, a bit more aggressive, a bit faster than than what you could to make sure that, like you said, that you always have power to to flare up. But uh, 
Ouais, it's a long, uh, it's a long journey uh, to to do precise terrain flying, and we are very uh, we are helped also nowadays with the wingsuit compared to uh, the suit that we had uh, <laughs> some years ago to fly close to the terrain. That was right. Like the aura five difference between the matter is a uh, is pretty significant. Uh, yeah, like uh, com like we didn't have the same power, the same flare, the same uh, uh, range of uh, of flying, and um, and of course it uh, it helps, but it doesn't help uh, everything. It doesn't reflect. It doesn't replace. The, the training, the practice, and the experience that um, and the feeling that you need to have of the air and and of your position in the air while you're look, lo while you are looking at the terrain. One of the things uh, that you've been doing lately too is these videos um, with the comms recording, uh, which is so awesome <laughs> to watch. Um, you know, I'm thinking of your Mont Blanc project recently, uh, which is funny because we ran into each other at the heliport there while you guys were making those flights. Mm -hmm. I was just a little bit jealous. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm just thinking about having that speed and attacking. It's like, uh, it's a delicate balance, right? Of being able to fly in formation on terrain and flying as fast as you can to have that margin. Um, and um I guess that only really comes with uh, practice with your partners and signaling to them over the comms of like, okay, here, let's go. Let's turn it up, guys. We're, we're here. We're going to go start going faster and faster and faster. Um, can you tell us a little bit about um, the comms? And um, because I think that uh, everyone is sort of like inspired now again by you guys talking to each other. You know, I had early versions of the Cardo um, and uh, we were, you know, doing um, skydive training and, and, um, coaching with these things and it just didn't work really well like it was cutting out a lot and it was sort of like is this thing on can they even hear me i feel like the technology has improved and yes the, the technology has improved but um it, it's funny because now it seems like a new thing to to speak in the air but uh to to, to tell you a bit the story uh with vince we started to use the cardo 10 years ago we started to use it in 2013 Because at that time, Yves Rossi from Jetman, he was looking for a communication system and he started to use the Cardo uh, on his helmet. And, um, and so we picked it up from him. We started using it in skydiving, uh, in base jumping. And uh, if you look at uh, when we jump from the Burj Khalifa in 2014, when we jump at 10,000 meters above the Mont Blanc in 2014, we had the comms. We had the Cardo. It was an older system, but we had the communication. And we've always, always uh, keep using them. Uh, it happened that uh, this brand now wants to expand on more sport and stuff like this. And then we, we show it more uh, now because we have a partnership with them. So it makes also sense to, to, to show it more. But it's, it's also... Um, Uh, so nice to share the conversation and share the, the what we are doing, what we are saying while we are flying. And I think it's really so. Um, to, to be very honest, my experience with that system is that in free flying, normal skydiving, I don't really use it so much. It's uh, it doesn't work as good. But for wingsuit flying, it's crazy good. Like uh, and that's why we've been using it for a long time. It's amazing. Uh, look, let, 
every every jump I do with Laurence, we have the we have the flare, uh, we have the the radio, Cartier. and I, I'm teaching her how to do the big flare and stuff like this live. And it's so nice to flare next to her and to tell her, okay, look down, push on the knees, push on the arms, like to do the live coaching uh, instantly. It's uh, it's amazing. And to to do all the flying that we are doing with Versh and Branoir, uh, like the project of the Mont Blanc we did last year, uh, the radio is so important. We could do it without, like let's say at the last moment, if we had a failure, okay, uh, we could do it the old way and okay, I follow you and we kind of know we are because we already have a plan and we could follow each other because we have some skills. But um, we do everything we can to, to have it and, and it works very good like it's very very rare that the the radio doesn't work uh we are very very happy about the result um the reality is that being inspired by uh, the formation plane pilots patrouille de france the flight that we did with jetman the learning that we got from yves rossi that is an ex fighter pilot flying planes in formation uh, you cannot fly precisely with your teammates uh, close to the ground in a very um, aggressive environment uh, in high mountain or whatever, going at 200 kilometers per hour or more and doing very precise turn together if you cannot anticipate the trajectory, if you cannot speak. Like, honestly, this is a game changer. It's something that, and I really... Uh, show this to uh, most people because I, I'm quite surprised that uh, many base drivers, I mean, there is more and more people now that, that, that are using it and it's a very good thing. And also for safety, because not only about the flying itself, uh, I'm talking free fall, anticipating the lines, the turn, the dive, everything, all the communication you can have in the air. But imagine you open the parachute and sometimes one is landing and he said, oh, be careful, guys. There was a line here or there was this cable there or there was this thing that... And we're communicating under canopy all the time until the landing. And honestly, this is like sometimes could uh, could could save some situations, could really help because you keep on talking until you are uh, safely on the Feet ground. On the ground, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of are coming at it with a... It's like a kind of a unique position though like and this we've been talking about this a lot in this conversation is that you know um there's like a certain amount of uh cognition that you have available right like so you're thinking about you're flying your wingsuit you're thinking about the exit you're thinking about the environment the air and things like that and and the better you are with each element right flying a parachute is another one each the better you are the more intuitive it becomes the more open you are in your awareness to involve other details right and so the comms i think adds a, a heavy weight of cognition to the the, the pro, um to the whole situation right so if you're not an expert level wingsuit flyer if you're not an expert level base jumper adding talking to that and listening to someone talk to you can be really difficult Yes, it it can be difficult. I understand what you mean, but uh, or requires some discipline. No, yeah. Alors, first, yes, but also because uh, also like training this in skydiving is a great help because you get you get used to speak to somebody, you get used to listen to somebody, and to 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 go back to what you were saying before and to uh, uh, Mont Blanc uh, the Mont Blanc project, for example, or any formation flying that we are doing. You learn how to, for example, as a leader, you learn how to anticipate, and, and, and it's a difficult exercise, you learn how to anticipate your trajectories, uh, 
um, and and saying, telling that the guy, telling to the friends that you will turn before you turn, telling the guys you will dive before you dive because there is always a moment, and and you learn as a as a wingman as a follower to tell to the guy in front of you if you are not in the good situation and this also a difficult exercise so both exercises are very difficult it's very specific um, uh, positions to 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 learn how to fly but for example when you follow somebody i know that for me the reflex has always been to fight a lot to to try to accelerate to go back into your place without saying your friend to slow down, for example, but you learn that it's it's not the good way. The good way is to be able, as soon as you are in difficulty behind following, for example, with the speed or the head level or whatever, to say to your friend, okay, slow down just a little bit, and the guy will relax the position just a little bit enough to for you to go back into the right position with the right head position, and then you can start accelerating again together, and then you can start turning together and fly as a, as a one piece together above the mountain but all of this requires that you fly in general at maybe 70% or 80% that what you actually can so it means that even when we did the jumps above Mont Blanc or any line that we are flying together if you are if you want to fly together as a team you need to anticipate the fact that you put yourself on this spot or this part of mountain or this specific uh, line, you need to fly this line more relaxed. You, you, you cannot be 100%. If you fly your line at 100% of, I mean, first is not safe even for you. But what I mean is that to fly formation, you need to have some margin. The leader has to have some margin. The wingmen have to have some margin and everybody. And, and that's why we play with... Uh, uh, but that's why we we measure the, the glide ratio where we're gonna go and the, and how much time it's gonna take with this and this glide ratio and we also play with the suit that we are using for example me as a leader I'm mostly uh, uh, in this position I'm uh, sometimes um, most of the time using the uh, aura 4 now aura 5 and for example all the jumps we did recently, all my friends, Verge, Branoir, Nick, Danny, when we did the jumps in La Clusa the other day, they were all on sea race. So following, you know, we are also playing with the, with, the, with the model of the suit. If they have a suit that is a little bit faster and me, I have a suit that is a little bit slower, they have more margin because it's always difficult to follow. You're always a little late. So even if you, even when you speak, even when you try to anticipate as much as you can the trajectory and everything, having a bit more margin, a bit more power than the uh, than the the leader with a suit and also of course with your position in the, in the air will help you to fly as as a, as one piece. But man, this is a super. Um, interesting exercise i i really really enjoy the, the the formation flying and the jumps we did recently in la clusa above the above the chairlift being able to fly the five of us in a nice formation looking like uh fighter planes you know or looking like uh acrobat um, whatever like plane formations is uh is uh is something i enjoy a lot it's amazing that was really well done too. Um, I don't know who was filming that project, but I mean, you had camera angles from all over the place, just added so much depth to the flight. It was yes. uh, really, really well done. Um, it. Uh, do you have any tips as far as like um, uh, one of the things like um, 
like, I don't know, six or seven years ago when I was using them is like just making sure that they're in a position so that you can hear well, the microphones. Can you give us some of the things that tips that you've learned about, uh, first off, which model and then um, how to position the, the headphones, which headphones you're using and the microphone, just so like share with us all of this so that um, people don't have to go through the hardship of uh, trial and error on, on optimizing the comms for them, themselves in, in a helmet. Um, yes, so the, the, the model that we are using is, is called uh, PackTalk uh, from Cardo. Uh, it's a model that was developed for a uh, motorcycle. It's the PackTalk Bold, right? Because there's one uh, yes, specific, Yes, PackTalk right? Bold, yeah, exactly. Okay. PackTalk Bold. Um, it's the model that was developed for a motorcycle. And uh, they are now, they, they put another model out that is called the Outdoor the outdoor is not using exactly the same technology and has a little bit more delay between the, the uh, delay uh, between the speaking and the, sure, and the, and the, yeah. and the hearing. So um, it, it goes, it's good for most of the, for a lot of outdoor activities, but not, not for what we do because we need to be very precise in the, in the turns and the, especially like if you're on top of the cliff, three, two, one, Boom, you know, you need to be a very, very synchronized. Um, so PackTalk Bold and PackTalk Ski also is the same technology and is also uh, working very good. We are actually using the same headphones that, they, there, is, uh, that there is inside, the original ones uh, that are uh, JBL ones, but that are sold with the, um, with the unit and, uh, and the microphone. Uh, there is a, a very small one that we put in the... Bah, we, are, we are using full face uh, TFX Tonfly uh, helmet because they are the most uh, awesome um, most protected and like uh, to protect the sound and stuff. Like the, the, the TFX is even the helmet that we were using with Jetman. So we were using combs, uh, of course, with Jetman, with the TFX was working perfectly. We use it now in base jumping. Um, all the time and um, and yeah we use the the the, the original uh, setting that they that they sell with the with the unit the only thing is that the the microphone with the cable um, is sometimes a little bit short so you need to make it a bit longer you know to put it in front of the head uh, of the mouth but um, but no we are using the original stuff and it works great so you're cutting the cable and um, connecting a new cable to extend it longer? Is that what you Yes. Said? If this is something that uh, that you can do or a friend of you can do, uh, right. cut the cable, make it longer, yes. Otherwise, you can use, you can use the arm, uh, how it's called. The, There's like know, a flexible one that's yes, like semi-stiff. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. This one is going to be long enough so you can put it in front of the of the mouse. So some of us are using the the the, the cable, some of us are using the little stiffer one. Uh bon, in both ways, as long as it's in front of your mouse, you know you find solutions, but it's uh it's uh, it's quite easy to to set up on the helmet. Um it's uh yeah quite easy to set up. Are you using them in the tunnel as well? We tried in the tunnel, but it was not, um, it, I don't know, for some reason, we, the, the, it was more difficult to hear each other. Okay. Yeah. It was more difficult to hear each other. So sometimes we were losing time to say, ah, what did Is you say? Or right. I don't understand. Right. Can you repeat? And this was like, we were losing time. So we actually stopped using it in the tunnel. But like I tell you, in uh, the, the last um, 
the last two training sessions we did in, in skydiving with Laurence, uh, wing shooting together. We did about uh, say 70, 80 skydive the last two weeks. And um, it was working perfectly all the time, even under canopy, even like it's like for me, for wing shoot, flying, skydiving and base jumping, this is a... Uh, super super important and it works really well that's cool um yeah like i said when i was using them that it wasn't good enough and it seems like they've evolved in a way now that it's yeah like I, last week we were in gap in talard jumping together and uh, stefan zunino he, he didn't have the comms and we had the comms and man he was like you can you can feel in the air like you know and we're like okay no no i'm gonna no, it's like it's impossible to anticipate what's happening and you're much slower in everything. And right. then we're like, okay, no, let me try again. Okay, no, no. Because we're working on a routine with like barrel rolls and everything. Oh. And we're like, okay, uh, no, it's like uh, once you reach that, it's same. It's something you can never, you can never go back, you know, to the older way. Some of the conversations that we've had on this podcast uh, talk about um, how, you know, in base, we sort of have to constantly keep things fresh to get... Um, like this hit of dopamine, right? Like if you do the same thing over and over and over again, you jump the same jump, you know, it, at a certain point, this effect that you have is going to sort of wear off, right? And then you have to find new creative ways to sort of get that similar feeling to it, right? Do you, is this something that you think about or have observed? You mean to try to go to many different places to... Well, let me let me rephrase that question. So... One of the things that we've talked about uh, is like how in bass you sort of have to always push not your limits, but your experience a little bit. There always has to be a little bit of progression to get the same sort of feeling, right? And and uh, from what I've read and, and, and heard is, is dopamine is a big part of that, right? So like when you have something that's unique and new, you get, oh, that, okay. you get that spike of dopamine where it's like you get all of those feel-good chemicals rushing through your veins. But also at a certain time, like especially with someone like you who's been doing it for 20 years, you can't always be chasing that dopamine rush, right? So is that something that you've experienced and you've paid attention to in any way? Um, yes, I mean, like, I think it's in a bit in my blood, you know, to always try to, 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 to do some new stuff. And uh, I, I really enjoy flying with uh, uh, now with, you know, with my friends to because they are a bit in this uh, in this uh, in this state of mind as well to try to do new things but um, i don't know if it really happens only about the the jump and the the dopamine like you said but for me it's also like uh, uh, being able to uh, go with my wife on a new place and do to to let her discover some new new feelings you know and then that's gonna be for me super enjoyable even if it's a jump that i already did uh, a lot or just like uh um, so yeah, putting myself in different new situations, but not necessarily in terms of like risk and, uh, and how much you engage, you know, in a jump or something like this, but it could be only about, um, a new location, uh, different friends with who you're sharing with, uh, going to a, a new trip with my wife, you know, all of this makes that, uh, that, uh, I'm not bored and that I, um, I want to keep going. Is there anything else that's uh, driving your excitement these days? 
well, <laughs> we talked about <laughs> a lot of things, but um, no, one of the... Um, you excited about going into some the Alpine this summer? Yes, I'm going about it. Yeah, we, we already have a list of jumps that we want to do. Uh, I'm, I'm, exci I'm, I'm excited also because we share... Uh, the same motivation, uh, for example, with version brand noir about uh, some jumps that we want to do, some uh, uh, freestyle routine that we want to do in some uh, uh, location. I'm really excited about the, the creature uh, suit from Squirrel uh, at the moment because it's... Uh, uh, it's um, I, I love to do some some freestyle with wingsuit, and I think it's gonna help us to do it in high mountain, um, and um, yeah, some new project that uh, some uh, new locations. We are waiting for some authorization now to go fly above Tokyo. Maybe it's gonna happen in the next few days, um, and um, excited about going back in the Dolomites this summer with my wife because. Uh, we will probably go on some big cliffs that uh, she already did, but now if she's going to be jumping with the wingsuit, it's going to be like a new jump, you know. So we, you kind of rediscover uh, the place, and I'm, I'm, I'm stoked also to go with her on locations that are, let's say, easy because um, big wall, you know, steep mountain and not necessarily a hardcore uh, a short start and uh, and uh, terrain flying because i just want to uh, enjoy the the climb and the hike with her and then jumping in a in a safe environment and have you know some really nice bit jumping it's really cool to be able to share with her this type of flying and and with my teammate a more advanced uh, technical type of flying that we will do in more uh, difficult conditions so i'm really enjoying uh, flying in these in in both uh, situations and um yeah i think i'm uh, just uh, just excited about flying you know in general like i'm really yeah, I'm really. This winter was a bit long, and uh, and I'm really happy of the the beautiful sunny days coming back, and uh, and uh, and I enjoy jumping a lot, you know. Still, so Fred, we just did over two and a half hours. Um, man, this wow. has been a, a great conversation, and um, <laughs> that's long. You know, I really wanted to do this one in person. As thanks for inviting me over to your place, and uh, thank you. Um, it was beautiful. <laughs> it was good. It's good, huh? <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Me too. Um, so thank you again. And um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Laurent. <laughs> Thanks, Fred. And, and thank you guys if you, have the, if you had the, the, the courage to listen to all of this until the end. But uh, you, no. you have been highly requested. Um, you know, we get more and more people sending us emails and messages about people that they want to hear from. And uh, you're one of the top people that they've requested. So no, uh, I'm sure that. Every no, thank you. You know, I, I'm, I'm very, um, yeah, I, I love my sports. You know, I grew up with parents that were, were skydivers and uh, I got lucky to to know this world for uh, uh, since my young age. And I still have so much motivation to fly. So just, uh, yeah, it's very nice for me to share this with a. Uh, with everybody and, and and if it can bring some more uh, motivation and passion to do more jumps and try new things to a lot of people, then it's, uh, it's perfect. Awesome. Thanks, man. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any thoughts about what you've just heard, please don't hesitate to hit us up. A big shout out to Mark Stockwell, our sound mixer and co-producer. We love you, man. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, please visit exitpointpodcast.com. See you on the next one.